Recording has started yep. now. That's new. Did you see I that? I did see too? it. So on your I also see. Yeah. I also see messages on the bottom. That I didn't see that before. I can see myself on the left, and then it says, yep. "You see it, right?" It says you're in the show, and then uploading recording. I didn't. Know that. Yeah, yeah. And you, you have. Yeah, you can see if, like, if we were streaming live, you'd be able to right, see right, right. the messages come in. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't. I. That's the first time I've seen the. uh yeah, it is recording on on the screen. So, so Eddie, how you been? Glad to have you in as my first guest of the new year. Thank you so much uh, for having me. This is a lot of fun. Uh, you, the twenty five hour yeah, was so you, much fun. It was it was really amazing. Ah, uh, yeah, that that was a blast. Uh, you made you made quite the impression. <laughs> That's good. That's I mean, good. I, what I had. I had literally met you 24 hours before we started, not even, like right, the night right, before I started, right. you were one. That's right, yeah. We got on and That's right, we, yeah. fooled, like, yeah. we were testing yeah. some stuff. Yeah. Hadn't met you before. Um, I think, when did you reach out to me? When? Like a few months before, uh, a month before maybe? So I was, I was a subscriber to the podcast for a while. And then when you announced the uh, 24 hour, uh, you also mentioned that if, People were interested in in participating. That you know, we could let yeah. they let you know, and you would see who could make it, who couldn't. So I was like, "All right, let me see if uh, if I can get in the show." And and I have no idea what I'm going to talk about, but you know, let me let me just reach out to DJ just in case, right? You don't have any, enough people, which I thought it was going to be not a chance, right? Because yeah. I'm sure you have plenty of people. But um, but uh, so I reached out to you, and and you know you reply back and offer me a slot and but i didn't really have any anything planned like nothing concrete until the person who was before me who's also a big into uh home automation diy so i was like that's it that is my that is my cue right there i just just gonna talk to uh i'm gonna talk about home automation i'm sure that you know, a lot. yeah was it zach I think so. Yeah. Was yeah. It, Zach? it was Zach. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Zach was on, then you came on. Right. 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 And then, yeah. And then, the, and that is what you do. And you, your, you and Zach's conversation was just, it was so organic, so much fun yeah, yeah. watching you and then going back and forth. And then you, this is what you do, right? right? That's your industry. Yes. It's, That's right. And, and then, but then Zach also saying like he's fiddling with some stuff and he's getting ideas and you're helping yeah. him through it. But then you, you both got to, a, or you, you guys reached a point where all of a sudden Zach started mentioning stuff and Eddie, you were like, Oh, wait a minute. You don't need me. I know. Well, it was, <laughs> because you, like you understood Zach's yeah, expertise yeah. at that point. And it's, it's kind of his business is kind of outside of that, but it, it lends itself to the same idea. So that's where he gets his experience and the, I want to say the macros and stuff right, that he was setting right. up and you were like, holy cow. All right. You're, you're doing really well. And it was just so much fun and it was so organic. Like I said, so organic. And I, I spoke to you 
you know, we emailed after that and I just appreciated so much of what you brought to that for control yeah, four course, and yeah. the honesty that it did blow up. I mean, I had quite a few listeners yeah. reaching out afterwards like, Oh wait, this is an option. Yeah. And, um, I know, th- I know a few, qu- a few have contacted yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. It, uh, Nelson being one of them, I know he was like one of the first. Nelson people, and Steve, but, Steve but yeah. also contacted me and uh, I, oh, I okay. still have to actually yep. uh, arrange something with both of them. But yeah, they reached out to me. The interesting, the int- what, what was really interesting about that conversation with uh, Zach is that it was between two people, a DIYer and myself mm-hmm. who does this for a living and I don't do DIY systems, right? It's more like a dealer focused mm-hmm. professional system, which is controlled for. Yeah. So you have two people, two people with those perspectives that are very different, right? And, but we both trying to accomplish basically the same thing, but in two very, yeah. very different ways. And, and, and the reason why I, I, decided to speak a little bit about control four, even though control four is not necessarily something that is in the eyes of a DIY person, it could be a possibility, right? It could be something that, yeah. it could be something that complements what they're already doing. It has, this is not right. about you ripping out everything you have and do starting from scratch. No, this is about like, right. all right, let's talk about what you have and how we can incorporate control four on top of it and make everything work in a more um, uh, organized way, right? Just implement everything in yeah. one app and and, and do automations uh, uh, from Control 4. Uh, but obviously, Zach, who's a, I believe he does home assistant and does tons of little, little things that are super cool and super fun, right? Like M- MSC oh, yeah. cars and he reads his phone and he does all these things that yeah. are very... DIY focus and that's not something that we would actually do. So I, this is something that is, I thought it was very interesting how I could see his perspective and all the things that he was doing. And, and, but of course that's, that's the difference between two systems like this is where Zach was doing something that is very specific, right? To his needs, right? Yeah. This is whatever he was doing will not work for anybody else. Right. So, right. Well, when you have systems more, they are supposed to be to a wider audience like Control 4. So the big players in, in, in the industry are Control 4, um, Crestron, and Savant, right? Those are the big players. And whatever we talk today, it's, it's relevant to uh, all these platforms. It doesn't matter which one you choose. All these platforms can pretty much do the same thing, right? Except that they mm-hmm. look different. The aesthetics are different. The price points are different. And many will argue that one is better than the other one. So, you know, it's up to. That's their job. Yeah, exactly. That's, exactly. You know, and, and that's the thing. That's why you have, that's what makes the, I mean, it's so much better when you have the competition and people can pick and choose yeah. and they, you know, yeah. it, it, see what the advantages are. And, and yeah, it's, I mean, for us as a consumer, that's what you want. Right. 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 It's as you want choices. Right. It makes it harder for you. It's a lot easier. I mean, exactly. life would be so easy if everything was just, just one. that's yeah. it. That's all you can yeah. do. It's like, but, I agree. but what fun is I agree. that? 
I wouldn't even have a podcast. Yeah, we wouldn't have anything to I talk agree. about. <laughs> and also needs, right? Like what are your needs? Like if you are uh, doing a new system in your home, what are your needs? Like what's, when you think about it, what is it that you want to accomplish? And I don't mean like fancy or, or unnecessary automation. What I mean is that do you want a doorbell? Do you want video in this doorbell? Do you want intercoms around the house? Do you want video in these intercoms mm. in the house? How do you want to control your system? So all these things can uh, make a dealer, uh, can help a dealer make a better decision on which systems to offer, right? So many dealers offer all three systems. We don't carry all three mm-hmm. systems. I am just a control port dealer, but dealers carry questions of an control port, right? So having this conversation with the homeowner leads this dealer to recommend one system over the other one, right? Because this is all based on needs. Mm-hmm. Basic aesthetics are very important. We live in a day where, you know, an interior designer wants to see pretty, pretty dimmers on the wall. They just don't want to see any white, you know, switch on the wall. Or, and it has right. to be like good looking. It has to have a specific um, uh, aesthetic design and yeah. label, right? So, all these three companies, Label. yes, all these three. <laughs> I like that. All these three companies offer <laughs> solutions, different solutions, and 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 that is really important. Now, of course, we always like in everything else, you can always run into the, you know, into the integrator who's probably not giving you the best advice, right? So it's always best to yeah. talk to different people, right? You know, to talk to different people, talk to different integrators. And, and ask questions. Like I, one of the things I always tell to my clients when I meet them, because I know that coming in and, and having these kind of conversations about a system that they don't know anything about, they don't know what it is that they get in. It's really important that they ask questions, right? Cause it's, it's, they mm-hmm. need to understand. And, and at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I deliver a system in which the client's going to be happy with, right? Even though it's something that did, they mm-hmm. didn't necessarily know or, 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 or had before, um, they need to like, you know, like it, right? Cause they need to see where the value yeah. and the investment is. And, but, um, but yes. And so what I've really found really interesting about the 25 hour podcast was that there was this, there is this disconnection between DIY community and the professional dealer community where, you know, they don't really, um, for lack of better words, they don't get along, right? The DIY thinks. Uh, yeah, L- lack of better words. I don't think it's that they don't get along. They don't I understand think. each other because the DIY person would yes. think that these professional systems out of reach, they are expensive, right? Let's get that out of the table. They are expensive. Mm-hmm. But is there a clarification on how much do they cost or what it is that you need and what yes. it is that you can get. Right. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't. Right. And that's what I, that's what I found fascinating talking to you um, in the, in the 25 hour podcast is that the, that was the, the honesty that, I thought resonated with my listeners in that you were like, yeah, like a thousand bucks, yeah, eleven hundred yeah, bucks. Right. Yes, that's more money yeah. than a harmony. Yeah. But you can get in there, and then you were explaining how much hands-on the DIY guy can have Correct. after Correct. it's installed. So, and I think where the disconnect is between 
you know, a DIY and, and the professional installers is it's, it's one, it's budget. Uh, most DIY Absolutely. people are DIY people because they can't, they're doing something they can't afford to have done. I know that's my case, right? right. So it's like, I, I, it's, I can't afford to have somebody do all this right. stuff. So I've, I've built right. my, my, this is, it's in it. And that becomes like for me becomes the hobby. And then you get to it after been doing it so long, like Zach, like myself, that you're like, well, now uh, control four is kind of an option. Maybe that, maybe I could, but I'm giving up some of that DIY that I don't exactly. want to give exactly. up. And then, and now the information isn't there for like there, it's not readily available to us because the installers, you need to make money. You have a business. You can't run around and do $1,000. And I, I know this is a lot of people like a $1,000 job is small. Yes. It's like you would much rather be like, all right, we're going in there. We're going to, you know, soup to nuts. We're doing the whole house. It's going to be, I had a gentleman on, I forget his name right now, but he did, does $100,000 systems. But you're, you're, you've got a team, you roll out. It's like, it's, and that makes it, that's, that's your, you can do what, eight, nine of those a year Correct. and you're making good money. You're, and then that's, so to hit the little things all the time, because each one of those little jobs now comes with, uh, Hey, Eddie, exactly. uh, I got an issue. Yes. That's right. <laughs> and now your business That's has right. grown so big, That's but right. you didn't get the influx of money to support yourself. Right. And you're like, all these people are calling you because Eddie, I want to add a PlayStation five. Right. Uh, Eddie, um, yeah, I'm throwing it. I'm, I'm, I'm changing my Oppo over to the Panasonic. All these DIY guys love to do stuff. They got in for a thousand bucks, but they're so hands on and yeah. always upgrading. Right. You're like, I, where's the money for, and now, and, and we, of course, there's a charge every time they call, every time you come out to do something or have to do it online, whatever. But I, I can get, I understand why the dealers like yourself, it's like, okay, I can't advertise that I can do this for a thousand dollars a ton. I, I totally respect that. And that's why when you said it, I was like, I didn't know it was possible. And then I understand why it, I haven't found out until now. And for you to be able to come on and I, it, like I said, it resonated with so many people like, Oh wow, this yeah. is possible. So let me say, let, let me go back a little bit for those who did not see the 24 uh, hour podcast. So, um, like I was saying, there are three major, uh, home automation companies in the market, uh, control Four, Savannah and Crestra, right? And there's actually a new player, which is Josh AI. And that is more of a platform. In Josh AI, yep. it's a voice control system. So basically you can automate mm-hmm. your entire system and control it with your voice. And, and it's fantastic. It's very friendly in terms of integrated with other systems. So I have Josh AI in my home integrated with control four and it works, works great, but can also be a standalone system, right? But that's more of a platform. So okay. what do I need by a platform is that they don't really have a hardware. They do have, they did release a remote control for, for TV control. But other than that, the only hardware they have is their actual devices that you install around your rooms that, you know, receive the voice command much, much more like a little, um, Alexa, uh, device, something like that. It could be either a tabletop or it could be, uh, embedded in the wall. And then you talk to it and you can pretty much do anything with it. Right. So right. Uh, it's gaining a lot. It's, it's a very good system. It's, it's very popular, but 
it's equally expensive, right? It's just as expensive as yeah. anything else in the market. It's not an yeah. Alexa. It recognize. I've I've looked into it. It record or I I get the emails and stuff. I've seen since it it came out, and it it is pretty cool. Yeah. It's like you have all of the the voice things, so it knows like you just walk in and go. Uh, whatever it is, Josh, yeah. or whatever name you yeah. say, like turn the lights on. It knows what room you're exactly. in and it'll turn those exactly. lights on. Exactly. So you know? it's very smart in uh, terms of that. It can control uh, devices in that specific area without you telling it where you are. But you can also tell it to turn off the lights in the bedroom upstairs, right? By just telling it where, like right. turn off the bed, yep. turn, turn off the lights in the master bedroom, right? Or like, for yep. instance, like as I was getting ready to, um, to sit down here, uh, to talk to you, uh, the command was Josh, turn on the first floor. So even though there are three areas on my, on my first floor, it knows that the first floor, you know, contains this, all these areas and it will turn on the lights or the entire area, even though it's three separate rooms. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So those are the ma- major players in the, uh, in, in the smart home, um, industry, right? Now there is this conception and, you know, rightfully so that control force systems and equestrian systems and savant systems cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Because when you say, <laughs> Hey, I did a smart home, Clients talk about this. We do it too. Like, you know, we, I just did a control force system. It was 150 grand, right? Okay. So a couple of things about that. Number one is we call it control force system, 150 grand, but it's not just a control force system, right? Everything went into this system, which is cameras, which are not control for the alarm system, which is not control for the shades, which are not controlled for. So all these, all these components that we end up delivering to the client, we ended up just calling it a 150 grand control for system, right? Yeah. It's a $150,000 job. Exactly. Exactly. And a control for right. is part of the job. Correct. So right. control for basically runs this system runs the automation, runs the, of course, a big part of it right. is control for, right? So we'd like to just keep as much, yeah. um, as it's much the, within is the, it the, that's your infrastructure. Exactly. Exactly. The control for is the infrastructure between the, the homeowner or the user and all of the other equipment that you were talking about. That's how you act. That's your infrastructure Correct. to that. Correct. So what's, what's in a control for system itself? Let's say for instance, a big house, let's just talk about a, a house, not a big house, any house. A control force mm-hmm. system com- would be like the control force system, the component, obviously the brains, the main hub of the system. All the lighting switches could be controlled for. The thermostats could be controlled for. Um, the uh, motion sensors could be from control for. And uh, the remote controls could be from control for. And then when it comes to aesthetics or components that are visual uh, or visible to the client, there's not really much that the client will see other than the light switches, the dimmers and the remote controls that are controlled for. Everything else is like in the rack. We have the amplifiers in the rack, which are controlled for. We have the uh, um, the audio, the matrix, everything in the rack, which is also uh, part of control for. It's just not maybe, you know, um, um, a product, right? Not necessarily a control for brand, but it comes from the same company. Snap AB owns control for, they own Luma, they own, uh, triad speakers, they own all these, they have all these oh. companies yeah. that we can just, um, uh, 
uh, integrate into a home. And obviously the idea is that if you have two brands made by the same company, you know, they're going to work and coexist very well. Right. And then after that, you know, we uh, integrate the t- televisions to be controlled by by the Halo remotes and 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 TVs and projectors and and just shades and whatever you know it needs to be integrated into the system. So when I um, uh, when we uh, when I came over to the twenty uh, four hour podcast and uh, uh, and, ja- and and I'm sorry, Zach was uh, talking about home automation. I this. I saw the opportunity to clarify that a control force system does not have to cost a hundred thousand dollars. In fact, you can mm. get a package, a small package, uh, which control force calls a one room package for $1,100. And what it is, mm-hmm. is a small processor. Actually, let me show it to you. So it's a small processor oh, yeah. like this, right? And this small okay. processor has, um, uh, has an audio output, so basically has a built-in music server, right? So that way you can stream music from your control for app, or you can set up this to be an airplay, yeah. an airplay zone, so you can airplay music to your TV. So we have a, a audio output here for, for that goes, let's say in a home theater application, it would be connected to the, uh, to the receiver and then from the, and then the receiver to the speakers. And then you'll be able to stream music from this mm-hmm. device. And then we have here infrared ports, right? So we have four infrared ports and for those IR, okay. all, yep. all devices, right? Now the repeaters and exactly it's for your repeaters or whatever IR devices like nowadays, you know, the cable boxes are, are just terrible devices that require IR, IR repeaters. And, uh, there's always one. If you have a cable box, you're obviously going to be using one of these. If you need a serial, let's say, mm. for instance, like a serial, um, uh, control, like some projectors, all the projectors are serial only. You can just, uh, uh, uh connect it to the back of this box to be able to control it. And, uh, and of course we have our network ports, right? Now, Mm-hmm. Even though Control 4 calls this a one-bedroom solution, this runs the entire Control 4 system. It has no limitations whatsoever. You can con- you can control just about anything. You can add lights. You can add thermostats. You can add third-party devices. You can run a small, I would dare to say, you can run a small system, a small apartment. Let's say, let's talk about New York City apartment, which is just one bedroom and, and one small kitchen and one living room. You'll be fine with one of these. And I'm talking about like setting up different rooms, doing lighting in the entire small apartment and your thermostat, your TV, you'll be able to control it with no problems. And you still have one, uh, one, uh, audio output for a music streaming. And, uh, so this is a very capable, uh, small system. It is, you know, it is intended for one room uh, installations, but control for does not limit on what you can do with it. You can just pretty much, you know, run the entire system, no limitations. And of course, given the fact that this is a small one, now let me show you something. This is the big daddy right here. So this is the core five. Yeah. This is the one that runs. I have 10,000 square foot homes, 15,000 square foot oh. home running this, uh, running with this processor. So here now you can see wow. the back. Now we have about six, um, audio outputs. So these audio outputs would go into a matrix 
And then from the matrix, it would be distributed throughout the house, you know, 10, 20, 24 zones, and as many zones uh, the job require. We have a lot more uh, infrareds, more uh, serial uh, connectors, and of course we have our network connection. This guy here, yeah. it's the big, the uh, the big uh, uh, control for uh, hub, and of course one of the main yeah difference- for people listening, for people it's in the audio only, it's basically what you were just showing there is the size of like you, what you would like an aircom. Exactly. Type, uh, fan. Just, yes. This Sorry, is like about 19 inches. <laughs> so the big one is 19 inches wide and it fits in the rack. Yeah. Where the one that. It's, ra- it's got the rack ears on it. Exactly. Everything. And the little one looks like a, uh, what could I call that? This um, looks like a. For size. It's like about eight inches by four inches and you can just put it on top of your, yeah. of your cable box in the media stand and you can just basically put it anywhere. And, and it, it, you know, it, it's, it's designed actually control four cells, a bracket for it, in which you can mount it behind the TV if you want it. So it's out of the way. Yeah. And you can just hide yeah. it anywhere. It's a right? little bigger than an Apple TV. Exactly. It's like yeah, exactly. twice the width of an Apple TV, but the same height. Exactly. Of it and everything. So it's a small, but, yeah. tiny black box. Obviously the main difference between the two of them is processing power, right? So one is like has a very yeah. powerful processor capable of driving a large system. Where this one has a not so powerful processor, uh, uh, so it will not be able to drive a very, very large system, right? Right. And you said that back in November in the in the twenty five hour podcast, you were saying that it's like you can try, but things are start going to start to go smaller yeah, so because some, the processing isn't there. Exactly, and then you that exactly. would almost be like I, I've exactly. added Eddie, I've added all this exactly. stuff, and it's kind of slow. Yeah, you're going to want to upgrade. And you had said that you can then at that point, if you want to, you upgrade the processor, Correct. and you Correct. you know you've got Correct. your system going, and then you add this the bigger one on right. later at a later date. Right. So the the case scenario that I was presenting. um, was that let's say for instance that you have uh, you are DIY wired right and you have a bunch of Lutron Caseta dimmers in your home you know you put your, you did all these dimmers you programmed them yourself because obviously it's a DIY system you have a couple of Nest thermostats and you have all these components that are you know Lutron Serena shades which are DIY as well. And then you have all these systems already installed in your home and you would like to uh, add a control four system. So in situations like that, control four works just perfectly fine with all these systems with Caseta, Lutron Caseta. In the case of Zach, he had uh, Lutron Radio Rat 3, which is the one above the Caseta. And uh, all these systems can be integrated into into Control 4. So all you need at that point is, you know, obviously a Control 4 processor and, you know, your installer to uh, program uh, all these systems into Control 4 so you can have, you can have them uh, all in one app, which is something that a lot of people really, really ask for, which is how can I have everything in one app, right? But the point is that you, don't have to start from scratch, right? You can add all these systems that you already have in, in, in your home. And if you have a small home, you can try with, you know, a, a core one. And as you add devices, like you said, uh, it's a matter of just adding a bigger processor to the same system. Yeah. 
and transferring the load from the small processor to the larger processor. And then, you know, that's it. it, it you're done. It's just, there's no need to redo everything from scratch. So the system is very upgradable, right? You, you can start with one, one room. We love upgrades. And yes. And, and the thing is that everything is upgradable. Like, like if you start new home theater, let's say it has three or four switches, let's say for instance, and you say, okay, I need to save money. I'm going to do, uh, uh, Lutron Caseta. You go to Home Depot, pick up those Lutron Caseta switches, you program them into your system. Uh, then you say, oh, maybe I, I like to have a Halo remote control. So let me show you these guys right here. So these are the control for, uh, Halo remotes. We have two versions. Um, this one is the, is the uh, Halo touch. So, uh, mm-hmm. basically the screen is, it's, 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 it's a touch screen. Let me see if I can get to the, there you go. Yeah. And it, we have the, yeah. this is called the Halo tactile. So, uh, this one, um, does not have a touch screen. It's all buttons. And this one has the key, the numeric key. It looks key. like a Harmony remote. Yeah. So uh, this one has, elite. has the, nu- the numeric keypad, right? Which this one doesn't, right? So that kind of helps right. you make a decision on whether you need the numeric keypad or you don't need it. Personally, I prefer the non-touch. I like, I like it a lot and I, it just works, works great, right? So, the tactile. Yes. So, okay. So you can add a, a, um, if you add a startup package for that theater, uh, which is $1,100, which is not cheap, right? But still, mm-hmm. you can add it. Uh, your dealer will need to do the initial programming, uh, to con- be able to control your projector, be able to control, you can integrate the, uh, the Lutron lights into the system. And you can uh, integrate the shades if you have a room that has shades and needs to lower the shades when, when you're watching a movie. And the thermostat, if you have a Nest thermostat, you can just integrate that Nest thermostat. And you can just get started from there. And then from there, you can expand, like, you know, out that room into the rest of the house. Uh, maybe the master mm-hmm. bedroom is always, like, a good space where you want some automation. And um, so the system is expandable. You don't have to do all at once. You can just start with one room and take from there. And this is true for most systems, right? Not just for Control 4, but it's true for every system. Like Caseta, you can just start with your, with your, with your theater and then move to the hallway, move to the bedrooms, move to the uh, living room, move to the kitchen. So, uh, you can expand as your, as your needs, you know, require, uh, um, this kind of, um, automation or, or smart control. Okay. So. Let me ask you, uh, so one of the things that I look, like when I look into it and why I've looked into like the control, actually I looked into Savant out here because they're actually out of Massachusetts. So I was like, hey, that's kind of cool. They're a local company. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I ended up, and this goes back over a year ago, I was talking with Brett about it, Brett Bjorkwist, and he was he ended up leaning towards control four. He himself became a, he got, he took the classes and got um, certified as a, I don't like he can install and stuff. Right. So he was telling me the advantages and then, but what for me, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are thinking the same thing, like how rock solid is it? Like how, like one of the, biggest things that that uh, Logitech brought with their Harmony line way, way back, even before the Elite, was that help button. And if if it wasn't me in my room starting the theater up, 
and it was just like my wife or my kids, would they be able, like if something went wrong, like how rock solid are these systems? And I have to imagine that as a DIY guy, we have crap going wrong all the time because we did it ourselves. Most of the time when stuff goes bad, it's human error. And as the DIY guy, right. we're the human. Right. <laughs> so right. we made the right. error. And one of the advantages I've always understood is having a dealer do it is it, it eliminates that human error because you, now you don't have a DIY guy trying something. You have a professional installing it. But I also recognize tech is tech. Right. Stuff goes bad. Correct. Right. So I don't want to put, I don't, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but at the same time, it's like how, how, and, and from a personal point, I'm, what am I doing for my parents? I'm putting a tech in, I am putting tech into their house, but how rock solid is it? And is it, and I also, I listen to AV rant. Tom Andre is so frustrated with Harmony and he's trying to help his parents. I've heard him say a few times, he's like, I might have to break down and get a control four system. Yeah. Because it, it, and it's like, but for the listeners, like when stuff goes wrong, what, how does this handle it? And how would it like, for instance, let's use my parents as an example. I got a system and my dad's over there going, I can't get the TV to play. What happens? Okay. Um, in, in a control for environment, uh, most components are nowadays are being controlled through IP, right? So one of the advantages of IP is that they have dedicated commands, meaning that a power on command, it's a power on command. A power off command, it's a power off command, right? Right. It's not one button that hit exactly. depends on the state of so the item. Of, it's an of, on off switch. Yep. Yeah. If I, I, you can correct me because I know you have a Harmony remote, but one of the issues with Harmony, uh, was that one of the issues could be that devices were not in sync, right? So you wanted to turn something on the system on and the TV will go off and the cable box will come on yep. and, and, and everything will be out of sync, right? So with smart home systems, there's less of that, those errors. Uh, uh, you know, we have, uh, a good control over devices. Uh, like I said, they have dedicated, uh, power on, power off. Uh, system could be aware of its, of a device being on. So if a device is on, you know, it notes that, you know, it's, it will know if it's on and off in order to either shut it off or to, you know, send a command to the device. And, right. uh, do problems, uh, exist? Yes. Like you said, tech is tech. And, um, I have older, I have older clients that, uh, are not tech savvy and, um, they have these systems and they like it a lot, but I do get the occasional phone call. Hey, the TV's not working. So let's say, for instance, let me give you an example of an issue that I have a couple of days ago. Uh, the TV was not responding, right? So, um, from the uh, control for remote, the TV is not responding. It is a Samsung TV and they could be, sometimes they could be, you know, they could have a, they could have issues. So it's my job, you know, to be familiar with this kind of like, uh, issues, right? Like we are dealers. We are aware when something, it's a little finicky. Uh, it's, it's, it's a component goes offline 
or if something stops working and we keep track of all this stuff. Uh, when the TV is not working, it could be that the TV fell offline, meaning that it lost connection to the uh, home network. And in which case, uh, I just, you know, walk can walk the client to see if it is connected to the internet just to make sure that the TV has internet. Uh, or if it is controlled for, um, uh, an issue with control for 99% of the times it just requires to reboot the controller. So we can reboot the <laughs> controller. And I'm telling you, like for a system like this, which is a one bedroom system, probably I would say 99% of the time it will be a matter of just rebooting the controller. Uh, and it will, you know, it will start working again. Uh, part of the programming of a control force system is to do the, what we call bindings, right? So basically what a binding is, uh, is that an HDMI from this device is connected to the HDMI or the other device, right? So the connections, think about the connections mm-hmm. that you do from one component to other component. Those bindings are programming to control for, and they will not go anywhere. That will never fail. It will always be there. Like that's not something that mm. it could, you know, it could just, um, so just suddenly disappear. Does that help with the handshake? Is that what the, is that what you're saying? No, no. So, okay. So basically, issue? no, no. What I mean is, for instance, let's say, for instance, that you grab your remote control, right? And you say, watch, mm-hmm. uh, you go to watch and then you say Apple TV. So when you press that Apple TV button, the system will turn on the TV, will turn on the receiver. We'll set the receiver to HDMI 2. We'll set the TV to HDMI 1, right? So because mm-hmm. he knows that the Apple TV is connected to, um, uh, the re- let's say the Apple TV is connected to the receiver HDMI 2, and then the, the TV is connected to the receiver HDMI 4. Like, you know, mm-hmm. those connections, those physical connections of the wire or the cable, I'm sorry, are is what we call bindings, right? So meaning okay. that we in, in programming, we tell the system, okay, the Apple TV is connected to the, to the receiver and then the receiver is connected to the TV. All right, so those are bindings. And those are the connections where the system tells the components how to behave, right? So this is what I call control, right? When you turn on a system and you're ready to control it uh, with the remote, just a matter of on and off and, and selecting a device, it switches that device, the MVR to that specific device, right? So mm-hmm. these connections, that, which are done in software, this has nothing to do with your actual connection. What we're doing is mimicking what you do in physically, right? So you connect mm-hmm. your Apple TV physically to your MVR we need to tell control for all oh, the Apple TV is physically connected to the MVR. So these connections are, are very, very stable and, and they don't ever change. And what does it have to do with the system being stable? Is that the system will always turn on the components and will select the correct inputs uh, every time you use it, right? Now, of course, this, mm-hmm. of course, there's also the fact that the component needs to react to these commands, right? So the MVR mm-hmm. has to come on, the TV has to come on. But the thing is that there is no need to have a help button that will 
help you check for connections. So we can eliminate that part right. from failures, right? There's no need for me to check and that tells me, make sure that, you know, like how is this connected? Like did you specify in the, the system? The system knows. Yeah, yeah. So you can take that out of the equation, right? Because the system once is programmed, you as a user, which we're going to get to uh, uh, later, you as a user cannot alter this. You cannot break right. it, in other words, right? This is something that only the dealer can change. So we can take any error of, of, of the system having the incorrect inputs and outputs, uh, in the system. And, uh, that helps, you know, that takes that equation out. So you no longer need to right. make that sure variable that variable is exactly, exactly solid. Yep. Now, the other thing is, um, the commands, the, the components themselves being able to respond properly to these commands, right? And in systems like Control 4, Savant, and, and Crestron, for the most part, they work very, very, very well. And like I said, uh, if a component, in, in, in my case, in my home, where everything I have is Apple, it's, I'm sorry, it's IP controlled, my TV, my Apple TV, uh, my Kaleidoscape, and my MVR, which is are the only components that I have. Uh, all these are IP controlled. And if for whatever reason, one of them doesn't, uh, respond, it's just a matter of rebooting. Could be the MVR, could be the Apple TV. Like I have ever since I upgraded to 17.2, I've been having issues with HDMI handshaking in my Apple TV. The, the image sometimes it will suddenly go black and stay black. So. This is something that even though it's out of my control, it's a phone call waiting to happen if it does happen to a client, right? Why is the Apple TV black? So we also deal with those kind of things where it's like things are not in our control or are in any way the way that we program a system where we're going to get a phone call. And so what do I do in that situation? It's like, okay, so if there's a handshake problem with the HDMI, just turn off the system. Press the power button in the controller. We'll turn everything off, turn it back on again, turns on again, and it's just working just fine, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so to answer your question in a situation, in, 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 in a case scenario where you have your theater with your control force system uh, uh, integrated uh, and something just stops working, Probably it's just a matter of you unplugging the uh, processor and plugging it back up. A reboot. Yeah. 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 And that's how like a lot of problems are, you know, solved. Oh yeah. The other. So let me just off of that. I have a fun little tangent here. That's not a tangent at all. Have you seen the new show or heard of the new show on Netflix called, um, fool me once? Yes. Yes. Have, did you see it? He has a control force system in the house. That's right. Yeah. But not only that, you, have you seen the, the show like through its entirety? I'm yes. almost done with it. I yes. Got two, I watched two episodes it. Yes. left. I did. Okay. So in the third episode, they're in the hospital, not the hospital, the police station. Okay. And they were talking about going out and getting the hacker. Right. And did right. you pick up right. the line that right. the guy said? Yes. He goes, they're like, be prepared for anything. And he turns around and he goes, He's a hacker. What's he going to do? Turn me off and turn me on again? <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. I had to back it up because my wife didn't get it. She was like, she, it's, she understood it, but it just went past her. And I was just like, I'm like, that's great because that's like, I, obviously I'm not a professional right, like you, right, but I right. help my friends and right, family. And like right, the first thing you do, right. 
Did you turn it off and turn it, unplug it and plug it back in again? Did you yeah. try that? Yeah. No, but that's, but that was so, to see that in the show, he goes, what's he going to do? Turn me off and turn me on again? Yeah. So when so, we obviously but, for okay. our, for our installations, uh, everything is in a rack, right? So every, all the equipment is away, mm-hmm. uh, in the utility room, in the rack and installing the rack. So it's not as simple for a client to, go and unplug and unplug it back in, right? Because, you know, they don't know where everything is. They don't know what it is that we're talking about. Plus, right. we don't Plus, we don't want the client to go through that, right? That is just not cool. <laughs> like, I don't want to guide my client to the basement and tell them the box from the bottom. Yeah. You know, it's just not cool. So what we usually right. do is we have a smart PDU, right? So we have smart PDU so we can remotely... Um, reboot a, a component if we have to and and you know it will tr- shut off the power to that component for a few seconds and turn it back on again reboot the uh, the component and you know hopefully uh, everything uh, everything goes back to normal uh, obviously the bigger the system the more you know the possibilities or issues but let me tell you a system can just run and run and run and run and just will not have issues. And and most of the issues I have, like I just got a service I called today from a client that the shade, one of the shades is not working. I know for a fact that it's a defective motor that the manufacturer is aware of. Like motors and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And the manufacturer is aware of it and they are sending me a way to fix it. So apparently it just needs a firmware uh, update. Uh, and it will fix the issue. But, you know, it's very uncommon. Like, I never heard this before of a shade having an issue like this, but there it is. It's happening. Right. So the, the bigger the system, the more exactly. So the bigger the system, the more likely you can have little issues like this. Uh, and mm-hmm. also, you know, as an integrator, I like to have test everything in my house. Like, I have everything that I could possibly offer to my clients, and I know what works what doesn't, what had glitches, what doesn't have glitch. So it's also part of like my responsibility, right? To, to offer you something that I know is going to work. And if I know that it has certain little things like everything else out there, I just want to make sure that it's something that is not going to bother you. That is something that you might not even notice, or it's something that is just easy to fix. Right. Because, Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, uh, it could be very difficult for a client to, uh, uh, understand, like, that if, you know, I don't want him to, like I, I was just saying now, I don't want my client to be bothered with things like unplugging and plugging components or, right. or sometimes it's, it's difficult to even get them to quit an app, right? Like, you can tell them, can you close the app and restart it? Like, oh, I have to film a video and, and, sending a video on how to do that, right? Because they just wouldn't know. Because I know that something is just the iPhone that the app is not working correctly. And it's not the control for app. It could be anything else. It could be, you know, any app in yeah. which somehow unrelated. And I know that it's the app not working. So, you know, can you quit the app? And it's like, how do I do that, right? And, okay, so I have to film a little video and say, hey, so go here. Uh-huh. We slide up and close the app and then open it again. And then say, like, oh yeah, it's working. Thank you. Um, so, yep. you know, it's, it's, so it's, it's, it's just like everything else. There's always issues, but is, would I say that the systems are stable? Yes, they are. And, and 
I think that uh, it will, you know, we would not be doing this at this price points if these systems were flaky, obviously. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's like for me, it's, I'm not, I'm never worried about myself. Right. I'm trying, right. I'm just trying to make it for exactly. the people that don't even like, in my situation, especially now, it's if I was to integrate this into my parents' side, it's something that they wouldn't even want. They haven't even asked for, right? So it's like, how do I do that? Because I'm like, is this going to make my life easier or harder? Because I know, like, because I'm taking care of everything for them. So it's like, I don't want to get cable TV, I want them to do everything the way I do, which is through Apple TV. So I just give them the Apple TV. They have my subscription. It is my house. So everything, you know, so that budget wise, that's just easier for for me to throw in cable for them. That's like 200 bucks a month just so they can have cable TV. So I have to introduce them into this whole new, like cutting the cord streaming thing. Right. Right. But if I add in a system, I'm, I'm weighing it is like, does this make my life easier because it's going to be more stable? Because I know my Apple TV has issues. I get, I mean, everybody's does, right? Everything right. you just said, right. you get an update, right. there you go. Right. And now I'm dealing with, you know, they're my parents, they're elderly. These are going to be elderly people going, DJ, why is my, you know, why can't I get the TV to work? Why didn't this happen? And that's going to be the case with, whatever I choose. I'm just trying to look out and see what I have for options to make my life easier. So I'm not always running over there to unplug and plug in their television and stuff. Well, I think that the first in situations like that, when let's say for instance, that they are not familiar with the smart home system and, um, you know, like that is the kind of like situations that I deal with like almost a hundred percent of the time. Right. So, uh, people are mm-hmm. not familiar with it. They don't know what it is. They don't know what it does. Uh, would it make their life easier? And, uh, uh, well, what is it that you're trying to accomplish, right? Like, like, what do you want to accomplish as a smart home, with a smart home system? But if you don't know what a smart home system is, then I will explain to them what it does and why it does it and how it does it, right? And, uh, do, do you find any value in turning the lights off from the bedroom before going to bed without walking around the house every night, right? Do you find any value in having your outside lights turn on automatically? And, and if you have landscape lights, this could be done with a timer too. You don't need a smart home system for any of this, obviously. Right. Or yeah, now you're getting into some fun intricacies that you can have. Yes, exactly. So do you have any value of controlling your thermostat temperature from your phone? Do you have any value of on accessing your house? Which, by the way, I, I do that all the time. Like for me being outside the house, but let's say if I'm on vacation, I just find it very addictive. Yes, <laughs> I find it very addictive to be logging into my cameras so I can see what's going on around the house. I find it very addictive yeah. to just just checking and see, make sure that the house is not too cold if it's the winter. Make sure that it's set to the right, mm. you know, temperature. Uh, and and it's just it's just you know it's just very interesting and 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 something that if you didn't have it, you wouldn't even be thinking about, right? Right. But uh, so 
is there any value in any of this? Is there any value in having music throughout the house, which I think is magical, by the way? Uh, is there any value in, in, in being able to control everything from one app or just with the press of one button to be able to shut off your lights, to be able to set back your thermostat, to be able to close your shades, to be able to arm your alarm and, and, and to able to close your garage. So all these little things that you can do and, and, you know, that can be done through either an, your phone, through a button on by the bed, which I have one by my, my, Nice stand. This in my dimmer has six buttons, and one of them is like good night. So the good night button will basically shut off the house and 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 do whatever I program it to do. And do you need all this stuff? No, you don't, right? So this this there's also the the fact that that we don't need all this stuff. It's just like you know, smart home as popular as they are nowadays, they're still kind of like a niche. Uh, in a way, right? And a lot of people still don't have them oh, yeah. and they just obviously don't miss it. Now, in my personal experience is that clients who have never had any of this stuff before and when they have it and they live with it for a little while, they really, really like it to the point yeah. that it just has to be flawless. It has to work perfectly because they want to make sure that they want to make sure that the cameras are working all the time, that, you know, they can log into the cameras. We have shade schedules that need to go up and down automatically. It has to be flawless. It has to work because they just want it to work. And, and it's like, if a shade's not working today, it's an issue because I want it to go up and down by itself. Now suddenly it's, it's, it's a must, right? Yeah. But it's a good thing. Like, yeah. The way I see it, it's a good yeah. thing, right? And it's just great. And and like I was telling you uh, in my in in the twenty four hour podcast, is like of all the time that I've been doing this, I have never ever had a client tell me I regret doing this or I regret spending all this money on this. Never. Now, with that being said. If you go online, you're going to see tons of horror stories, right? There's always a horror story. Like I spend this much money for this system and it just doesn't work. Or I did this and it just doesn't work. Obviously, you know, uh, there is something there. It, there must have been a miscommunication between dealer and client. It must be a system that is not programmed correctly. Uh, it's a dealer that did not uh clarify expectations or do not clarify yeah. exactly what it is that he was offering so to his clients. So there's a lot of reasons why somebody would uh, be unhappy or simply it's because that person just doesn't like it. Like he got something that he could just live without and, and he yeah. didn't really need it. Right. But, um, but will it make your life easier? Uh, that depends on whether or not there is value in what you're doing and, and, and whether or not this system would be useful. And that is very important too, right? Even though, uh, these yeah. systems are known to be a luxury item, it's not so much a luxury item anymore, right? It could be very useful. Uh, there is a lot of useful. It can be like for me with elderly, it's a safety. Exactly. Thing. Exactly. It can be, used as a it can be thing. very like useful. They're right there, and if something happens, you'd be like, "Oh, 
they can contact yes. us through it yes. or they could, you know what yes. I mean? And it's like, so I'm looking at it that way too. Um, and I'm looking at the, the possibility of, the, the, you know, the simplicity, like you said, of the lights of yeah. being able to yeah. look over and be yeah. like, wait a minute, normally they go to bed by now. Why is everything still going? And Correct. that's, that's a like, Oh, something might've happened and you can, you know, you don't necessarily have to have cameras on them, but to, to know their routine and then be like, is everything all right over there? What yeah. happened? Yeah. And oh yeah, we just haven't, we're just yeah. still talking or whatever, you know, we right. have the lights on, but to be able to control that, I see it as a safety thing. I see it as a convenience thing for them that, like you said, it's like eventually they, you know, it, it's, they would come to love it. I imagine, you know, yeah. and I, like, I want to do, obviously I have to do something for my theater. I'm going to, but I'm more geared towards like my theater and them before I do my house. Right. I don't know what I can afford yet, but those are the, my two priorities of like, how do I, you know, I, I make their life easier, make my life easier. And also add the, con the convenience of security of not security as in an alarm, but the like safety issues right. that you could have with elderly. Exactly. So the other thing about the systems, unlike, uh, other systems in the market is that the uh, physical components, like the lighting systems, for instance, the lighting system, either Lutron or Control 4 or whatever, uh, it's just like a regular switch on the wall, right? So there's nothing new mm -hmm. to learn, right? It's just looks like a switch, acts like a switch. So there is no learning curve, um, uh, for them, for, for them, but yeah. And so this is a good thing, right? Because there is, hmm. there, you know, a switch should be able to, a light should be able to be controlled from a switch on the wall, right? Now, the fact that this switch is smart switch, it's, it's a bonus, right? Cause now you can control it from somewhere else or you can control it from, from, from the app. But aesthetically, uh, the rocker, so we call it the rocker, uh, it's like that Lutron, mm -hmm. the top and the bottom. It's not the flip, right? It's just the one that presses the top and the bottom to turn it on and turn it off. Uh, yep. Physically, it looks just like any other rocker. It looks just like the $20 rocker or $10 rocker that, yep. that uh, it aesthetically looks nicer, but you know, the shape and everything is, is easy to, yeah, it it's easy looks to like your standard turn on, turn off. And, and that's great because uh, there are certain lighting solutions like, you know, uh, Philips Hue is a very popular system, but it's not a switch based system. It's a, smart bulb system, right? So what you're controlling is the bulb directly, not the switch. Yeah. So that that's a little different. And there are other systems such as uh there is a system in which I has a little has like a display also in the uh, in the switches. Uh I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Brilliant I think it's called I don't remember. Yeah, and I think they, I, yeah. They look you can, pretty. I've, I've looked into their packages. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they look pretty, but here's the issue. You have to scroll, not necessarily, but in some instances, you have to scroll through the screen to find a specific light, right? That is way too many steps, way too much work to just turn on and off mm -hmm. a light. A light in your room should be reachable easy to access and a simple button that will turn it on, turn it off. Right. I don't need a fancy touch, like little touch panel, like to turn on and off the light. It should, should be basic and, and simple and not, you know, not complicated for 
anybody. Now, there is a possibility that, you know, a keypad which contains more than one button might require some explanations for the clients, which is fine. You know, we can just tell them, okay, so you have six buttons, you have the good night button, the good morning button, room off, house off, even though the label, you know, each one of them is labeled. So you know what it is that you're pressing. You know, we go over it. Like I go over all this programming and if there's something they want to change, we change it, but it's just a matter of like house off. It's pretty much tells you that the house is going to be turned off. You push it, the house goes off and, and it turns off the lights and it could do anything else that you want it on top of that. And that's where the automation part of this system comes in when you start doing mm-hmm. things beyond control. But, um, so going back to your parents is that aesthetically, whichever you choose, which is either, uh, Lutron, Caseta, control for, uh, dimmers. Uh, I don't know if they're, I would not even consider anything else. I think that outside Savant, Crestron, control for, uh, Lutron would be the only, uh, other smart system that, uh, for lighting that I would consider. Um, many argue that is the best. The, uh, there's many control for dealers that will not do control for lighting. They will do only neutral lighting. And there, it's, it's just, you know, it's just like the king of lighting systems, right? Um, hmm. so regardless of whether you do Caseta, let's say, I'm saying Caseta because that is the most affordable and it's a DIY product. But Lutron also has Radio Rat 3. We are Radio, Radio Rat 3 dealers, which is the step above. Uh, and it's obviously, there's a big difference in price between these two devices within the Lutron ecosystem, right? So whether, mm-hmm. whether you do one or the other one, uh, you know, aesthetically and physically for your parents would be just like, there's a switch on the wall. It's on and off. Uh, these systems obviously are retrofitable which means you don't have to do any changes to the wiring. You don't have to do any changes to anything. You literally just take out that old switch that you have in the wall and then replace it with a smart switch and then program it. Um, one mm-hmm. of, yeah, one of the main difference between the less, ex- I'm not going to say cheaper because to call Lutron cheap would be <laughs> not cool. It's right. not cheap at all. Uh, the differences between the less expensive system and the more expensive system is the electronics, right? So it's, there is some changes in aesthetics, but mo- the biggest difference is the electronics. The most expensive one would be a, a, a dimmer that will be able to control just about any LED light out there, flicker free and, uh, different types of load could be LED, uh, electric low voltage, magnetic. Uh, could be many types of, 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 of loads where the less expensive one can only control a smaller type of load, right? Could be a, just a forward phase. I know for a fact that the Caseta it's a forward phase dimmer for LED lights where Radio Ra, it's a adaptive uh, dimmer, which means that you could do forward phase or, or reverse phase. Now, how does this play with the type of light that you're using? When you buy a, a fixture or a bulb or any type of LED light, this LED light could be either a forward face light or it could be a reverse light, right? And it's difficult to know what it is that you have in your home unless you, hmm. you have the specs for it where it tells you this is a forward face, uh, uh, it needs a forward face dimmer. With that being said, most of the lights out there, like if you go to Home Depot and buy those 
you know, hi hats that like flat, really nice four inches. Chances are that mm-hmm. is just a forward face uh, uh, dimmer. Uh, it requires a forward face dimmer. Most do, but there are lights that will require a reverse face uh, dimming. Uh, and for those, you will need the correct type, type of dimmer. And um, so when people ask that question, like, why is this such a difference between these two dimmers? Like they basically doing the same thing. They are, but one of them can control a lot more different types of lights than the less expensive. With that being said, you also need to consider the fact that you're going to install it in a place where you only have one type of light, right? It's not like you're going to be switching that type of light every six months that you yeah. you will require this special dimmer. No, if you know that you have a uh, bank of LED lights in your living room and you know that it can be controlled just fine with a forward-phase dimmer, just install a forward face dimmer in that room and it will save you money. Like Control 4 has both, has the uh, forward face dimmer and the adaptive face dimmer. And there's a difference in price, right? So if it is not necessary to install the most expensive one, then the less expensive one will be just fine. Uh, but yes, those are basically some of the difference between these, these two devices. Other than aesthetics as well, or color choices, uh, if you, you know, if you require a specific color for, you know, a location, chances are that that color is going to be available in the higher tier uh, system and not in the lower tier system, which are more limited mm. in, in colors. Yeah. So going back to your parents, uh, regardless of which system you decide to install, and I'm talking about lighting in this, in this uh, uh, instance, is that aesthetically for them, it will not be different, right? They will be able mm. to just turn on and off the lights as they have been doing it in the house with no uh, changes uh, that, you know, are required in any way. Right. And now they have the flexibility that they could turn them on from the app or maybe from their little uh, control in, in the bedroom and, and or have them in a schedule when the main area could come on in right. the morning and when they walk out of the bedroom, you know, the hallway or the kitchen or the living room is lit up and it doesn't have to be, you know, dark. If And this is right. the things where I, you know, I ask the question, like, do you see the value in this kind of like situations where you could either program or control something uh, without you walking around the house and flipping every, every switch? Like, um, Right. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I see that value. I see that. And that's what I'm trying to do for them. And if I can, you know, make it easier for them, make it easier for yeah. me. And plus I'm in the middle of building. Right. You know, Correct. so it's like, like you said earlier, it's like you pull out the old switch and put in this new switch. I'm like, right. no, I don't want to buy that old switch. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm like, so, let me just start fresh. Exactly. You know, exactly. start with the right thing first and Correct. see what I see and have it go from there. And, um, yeah, I've, I've talked to people about that in the past. It's like, I could install this and have that whole, I could have the control, but they don't even know it. Right. 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 Like they're just switches or right. they're switches, right. you know, they think they're doing everything that yeah. way. Um, so I know like that way, I'm just, you know, it's just, I was looking at, um, you said like, I was looking at, like, I run everything here with Hugh. And I love it. Yeah. it. But you said it's like that's through the bulb. But like I, I think I showed you that or I talked to you afterwards. But the like I have a wall switch just 
literally screwed right to the frame of the door, right in the room I'm in right now, because this isn't a room, it's a closet, right? But I have a four-way switch, so I can, like, go like that, and I can, now it gets all bright in here, and it's all programmed, so, like, each button knows, like, all off, all on, podcast, so I just, you know, I just change the lights. That is one of those wireless, Um, like, stick-on switches that that you have. Yeah. 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 And where is the actual, right where's the actual switch that will power those, those, the loads? There is none. Okay. I see. So I have, I have two hue, um, like the, and they're all colored ones. I have two bigger, like the floodlight ones in front of me. Right. Right. I, um, actually I have four of them around right. all in the, in like little ceiling things. Right. And they're clip on like shop light clip on things that you just oh, okay, plug them okay. into the wall. So it's not like hi-hats okay. that were there. Okay. It's just something that you added. Nope, so nope, there's this, no physical, this, this is no a physical gadget. Gotcha, gotcha. yep. Okay. This is a closet. This is right. a closet. Right. So it's like, so for instance, actually, you know what? Let me see if I'll show you through my, uh, my MacBook. There you go. Oh, okay. So, I see that. Me, okay. Uh, and now, so you see the two up here yes. behind me? Yes. That's what, it. and there's two in front of me. Now, see this, fl- see this fluorescent light? I see it, yes. Over me? Yes. Right here? Yes. That, watch. Yeah, it's off. There you go. And now it's on. Yeah. So I can do that with, uh, using the, um, nope, let me get that off again. It's too bright for me. So now it goes off. See? And what I can do there is, uh, it's, that's, just a, a regular fluorescent shop light and I have uh, a, like a plug, like it's the, I forget what brand it is, but it connects, it, you you put that into the outlet and it talks, it's part of the Hue system now. Yeah. yeah. I've pro, so that will turn on and off in the room. So that shop light just goes on and off with the switch now. So everything is all communicating and it's like, you know, based, there is no light switch in this room. Right. That's right. And that you know is the I mean? thing, that is the thing about the hue lighting system, right? That, that there is no, uh, there's no physical connection between the light and, and, and the hue right. switch, right? So you have to buy a separate wireless switch that will communicate oh. directly to the, oh, yeah, yeah. to the light. And then for those who have, do have a light switch, let's say for instance that you retrofitted a room, you say you have four high hats. Yeah. So you have, let's say, for an existing room that has an existing switch and an existing light, right? So you retrofit that. Mm-hmm. That switch that used to turn on and off the light is not longer useful, right? You cannot use it anymore. You have to leave it on all the time because that bulb needs constant right. power. And the way that you right. turn off that light, it's through the app or through a separate wireless remote control switch Right. that it's a... Uh, so you have to add that all the device, right? So what happens if, I guess this is true for, for, for everything, right? So what happens if the hue bridge goes offline? Like, will you still be able mm-hmm. to control that light through the switch? Is there a direct connection? Yes. Through the light, from the switch to the light? Yes. So I, like when I first did my theater with Hue lights, probably, I don't know how many years ago I bought, I have the little, uh, the little like 
candelabra lights or whatever, right? So yes, put, yes. They're full color, yes. and I put those in. And then I installed this four-way switch, so now I have the ability. I used to have a Lutron, you know, 20 years ago, I installed a Lutron system that had a, a remote so that I could connect it to my whatever remote I was using in the room, and I've used that. But then I went to Hue a few years ago, so retrofitted that room, and uh, inst- and then what you do is you have to take that switch out, like you said, and now you put that in. But I've done, like, say, the light over my sink in in my kitchen. That's a hue light, and we just always leave that on, and it's programmed to come on at night, and it goes off yeah. at, like, yeah. midnight so that, you know, but or it stays on all night, and then it goes off at 6 a.m. when we don't need it on anymore. But if you do want it on and you don't want to open your phone, you go over to the switch you turn it off, turn it back on, and it comes on to its full brightness setting. Right. Okay? The problem is and that if you it, leave it off, it will not work from the app anymore. You have to you have to be mindful right. to turn it back on again. You always have to. You're right. You always have to have it on. Right. Or you have to upgrade that switch because now that's a smart switch and it knows it, there is no off and on on those smart switches. It just knows it's actually operating. Right. Your, like right. the one on my wall here is operating just like the app would on my phone. Correct. Right. Right. That's right. An actual manual that's switch, right. an old school switch is actually turning the power off. Correct. To the light, but the light needs the power to know that because that's happened to me a few times. Yeah. I, the one at my nightstand is a hue light and my wife will go to bed and she'll just turn my nightstand light off and I'll come in and be like, why isn't it working yeah. on the app? I'm like, oh, she turned it off again and you have to do that. You know that's what right. I mean? Yeah. So I, I get that. Um, if I went hue in my, like through my whole house, that wouldn't be an issue because I would install the correct switches in the first place. But <clears throat> do you think like in, in your opinion, is Lutron, like it, <clears throat> from what I understand, Lutron's more money than me doing my house in Hue. But is that, like, can I still, can I do it myself that way? Do I save money? What are the advantages okay. and disadvantages? Okay. So let's, okay. Depends on, on, on the scenario. Like, are you looking to do Philips Hue because are we talking about white? smart lighting or we're talking about RGB lighting because that definitely there's a big difference there. If you do Oh yeah. R- yeah, it's like well, if I did my parents I'd probably do I'd be like here I can do you do regular white lighting wherever you right. would and so then if you wanted to accent it later you can but I know like uh what is it a white light is like 15 20 bucks but uh, uh the these colored lights are 50 bucks 60 Yeah, bucks they're more expensive. Well, it, it just depends on on the on the type of lights that you're going to be installing. Like if you have a room with one light only, obviously mm-hmm. you need the bulb and you need the actual hue switch, right? So how much is a hue switch nowadays? Like the, that the, little wireless switch like 20 the one 30 I have on the wall here, I think that might have that four-way one might have been like 60. I yeah, forget. Yeah. I could look okay. it up. So if you add it up, it's like, cheap, but... it's like eighty-five dollars for one room, right? Which I believe yeah. is it's about the price of a Lutron Caseta dimmer. I'm the Lutron Caseta dimmer might actually be a little cheaper than that. If you have really? a room, yes. If you have a room where you have, let's say, you have four hi hats, now you, now you need to buy four smart bulbs. 
where if yeah. you so a run less wire. Sorry, Eddie. I look at fifty nine ninety five on Amazon. The Philips Hue self powered no batteries yeah. and wireless yeah. smart dimming switches. The one I have here, right, so it's sixty right, bucks. Right. So sixty dollars just for the switch. We're not we're not including the light. So if you go to Amazon right now. Uh, if you Google and if you look up uh, Caseda, Caseda, right next to it's the Caseda is right next to it. Lutron, 60 or, 70, 60 or 70 dollars. So the Caseda will be cheaper than uh, your than the uh, Philips Hue if we're talking about white light. Also, so this one here, just let me, if this is what I'm looking at, Lutron Caseda Deluxe Smart Dimmer Switch 2 Count Kit. With Caseda Smart Hub works with Alexa, Apple yes. Home. So you already Ring, that in, already includes that's the hub. 169. That includes the that's hub. 170. Yes. It includes the yep. hub, which okay. the hub alone is about a hundred dollars, oh. I think. So you already have the hub. So you, so after that you don't need to buy the hub again. You can just add the switches and dimmers by themselves. Oh. So that okay. it's a great deal. Like 160 for two dimmers uh in the hub for mm-hmm. a Lutron quality product. It's a very good deal. Uh Okay, that. So in one room, even if you have one okay. light, even if you have one light in one room, uh, the Caseda system is cheaper. Really? Okay. See, you I was s- thinking, but uh, see, uh, for some reason, I was thinking, not for some reason, I'm stupid, but <laughs> I'm looking at Hugh because I knew it. Right. Right. It was familiar to me. It was easy right. for me to manipulate. And then I don't know. And I'm like, and. I, what you hear is like, oh, like the Lutron Caseda yeah. systems are what go into these home audio. And you think too much money, whereas I can piecemeal this room here. But this room here that I've set up, you're looking at one, two, three. That's over $200 in lights. The switch was 70 And that's just for my closet podcast studio, right. right? Then probably I think it was like 50 bucks for the pack of two or the thing that turns on the uh the other thing. So I'm just this little closet alone, I'm into like 300 bucks just to be a DIY dumb guy and try to make this easier for me. Well, the other so, thing, the other thing that is important, uh, and you know, I, I obviously live in a world where, uh, we have interior designers and aesthetics is really important, but I think it, mm-hmm. you know, at least for me, I'm not an interior designer. Aesthetics do matter. I just like something that yeah. looks nice. Now, the one thing that the Caseda system will let you do, unlike the Philips Hue, is that it will let you choose your fixture. You can basically buy whatever fixture you want that looks nice. If it is a hi-hat, you can buy, you know, a nice fixture that's just what you want. You're not limited to a specific product just to have a smart light in that room, right? So it could be any yeah. be a pendant, you know, you can put a pendant, you can have like trimless high hats or, or recess lights or any size that you want, any temperature that you want. And, uh, and of course it will be controlled by the switch. The other thing is that you can add a few of them. You can have four, you can have six. And that doesn't, other than the cost of the fixture itself, it doesn't really add right. cost to the Lutron system, right? Because you can just control them from, from one switch. Now, personally, uh, I prefer a lighting system that is physically connected to my light. I want, uh, just for purposes of being more reliable, I think that I like the fact that 
my switch is physically connected to my light because it will always work. It doesn't, if a system mm-hmm. goes down, that light is physically connected to my light. If my internet goes down, if my control for system goes down, if my processor just blows up, that switch and that light is still physically connected to that light and it will always work. You will always be able to turn it on, turn it off. Right? There are certain things will not work anymore, right? But I like that. Yeah, the programming that, might that go to crap, but yeah, that I'm like, I like to know that that's that physical connection exists. Um, the other thing is that what we do is that when we use Philips Hue lights, it's just as an accent light, right? So you have hmm. a control for a keypad, for instance. Let's say we have a control for a keypad with three buttons in it. One of the buttons obviously will control the recess lights in the room. You know, whatever the designer, whatever the homeowner decided to install, will turn them on and off. And we might have a Philips Hue light underneath a cabinet or, or an accent color in the, in the shelves or anywhere somewhere in the, mm-hmm. in the room that is an accent. We can bring that into control for and have it work from the same keypad. The same control for keypad mm-hmm. will control that light. So that's, that's kind of neat. That I like, I like that. Be able to, or just throw a lamp, right? Just put a bulb in a lamp and make it smart, right? So that's, that for accent lighting, I think that Philips Hue, it's great because, you know, Philips Hue, it's a great product, right? We're not going to deny that. It's a great product and it works. I would not do it as a main lighting system in the house. Uh, I will only okay. use it as a secondary accent system in the house or just for little things, maybe, you know, like a little lamp in the kids' room or, or like I said, uh, if you have, um, if you have soffits, you know, you want to light up just with, with RGB lights or what, or, or a cabinet, like I was saying, um, uh, you can do that. But in the process okay. of building my home, I would say every single place where you're going to have a light, whether it be in a, a main room light, a LED, uh, uh, tape, uh, strip or anything, just obviously wire, uh, it's, is, is the way to go. And nowadays, there is this new systems that are finally coming to the States that are being in Europe for many, many decades, which is a DMX system, right? So the DMX system is basically a, think about it like a wire, uh, Philips Hue system, right? Where we have RGV, uh, RGV white, uh, and, uh, it's wire, it's low voltage. And it could be anything, could be a recess light, could be an accent light, could be a LED strip. It could be just about anything. And, uh, it runs back to a main location, uh, and, uh, and can be controlled from, from your smart home system. Like control four can, can work with the, but that's a little bit more complicated. We're just getting into a more complicated systems, but those are the systems that are being, uh, installed in terms of like low voltage, uh, for LEDs, whether it's a cabinet or, or just main lights. Um, I have a, a friend of mine who's also a control four dealers working in a home where every single light in the house is low voltage. It's like, it, it could be either like an LED track or, or like flush to the wall in every, and there are so many, so many LED lights in that home. Uh, DMX, it's a DMX system. So, uh, this is where the part with now everything, including the lighting, installation, everything falls in the hands of the integrator, right? Because it's also going to be part of a, 
uh, a smart home system. So, uh, but the main lighting system, uh, I think it should be, it should be definitely, uh, something that you can control from a main switch. The other thing is that it allows you okay. down the road in the future, you know, 20 years from today, uh, it's easy to just swap out and, 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 and put something else and, and you know, it's going to work. It's just, because, right. you know, that physically, con- that physical connection exists. And, um, so this but, like, just for my own understanding here, uh, like I'm looking at like the Lutron Caseta smart lighting dimmer switch or wall and ceiling lights, right? It's a PD6WCLBL. That's what I'm black I'm looking at. Right. Pack of 10 is like 600 bucks on Amazon. Right. So I put this in and say, say I put one of these in for my living room switch and that's on the wall. And then say I have a, a ceiling light, it's controlling that. But then you're saying if I put a lamp down and I put a hue in that, I could connect that hue to this. And then when I turn the lights on, they would both go not, on. No? Not from the same switch though. So, okay. So oh, to okay. have different, okay, this is where control fork comes in to play. So when you have, actually, you know, I take that back. I'm not sure if Caseta will let you add Philips Hue lights. It's possible. Uh, but I have, okay. I don't know. Um, but for in our case would be a, uh, where control four as a, uh, as the system, main system in the, in the house is capable of controlling all these different subsystems, right? You could control the, um, the, if you have a, 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 a Caseta, uh, Lutron Caseta system will control that. It will also control the, uh, the Philips Hue from the same device, from the same keypad. In the case of Caseta, okay, so let's talk about limitations, right? So what are the limitations in smaller, more affordable DIY systems such as Lutron Caseta compared to the big brother dealer-only uh, Radio Rat 3? Okay, limitations are you are limited to 75 devices. So if your home has more than 75 switches, um, uh, then... Uh, is not adequate for it. It does not have keypads, meaning that they don't have those configuration switches where you can have six buttons or two buttons or three buttons where you can program it to do different things other than control, controlling that specific light. Um, if you need keypads, then you need to step up to the Big Brother, uh, Radio Rat 3. Caseta is the only one that is DIY, which means that you can buy it in Amazon or Home Depot and, you know, install it and you can program it yourself. Uh, Radio Rad 3 does require uh, integrator software uh, from Lutron in order to be able to program that system. So those okay. are the main limitations of, of, of Caseta, right? No keypads. Uh, you, can, you can add the Picos. You know what a Pico remote is? So a Pico remote, it's, if you Google it, you're going to see it. A Pico remote is basically a small wireless remote, uh, from the Lutron family. It's shaped the same shape as the, uh, Decora, uh, plate. So it will. Oh, okay. And it goes into the wall. Yeah, exactly. So you can use it as a keypad or as a built-in, uh, switch on the wall. Okay. Yep. And it will look yeah, great. It yep. will, it will match 
your existing switches. So let's, let's yep. say, for instance, in a place where you only have one switch, you can put a, a, a Peacock a remote next to it, put a two-gang uh, faceplate, and it will look like it belongs there, right? There's no need to add it next to yeah. it or above it or below it. No, it will look like it's built in. Now, this Pico remote is available in multiple configurations. And one of them is a three-button or four-button, I can't remember, in which you can create scenes, right? So it will basically mm. behave like a keypad. So from that Pico remote, using the Lutron app, you can program it to turn on the entire first floor or the entire second floor or whatever you want it to do. So that would be what in a Caseta um, system would be used as a keypad, given the fact that keypads are not available in the Caseta system, only on the radio rat yeah. two and three. But, right. You know, yeah. Uh, cool. So... Yeah, so I think that it's best to uh, use a uh, lighting system that is physically connected to the uh, wiring in the house, such as uh, uh, the Caseta system. And then I do like the uh, the Hue, the Philips Hue system as its accent or secondary, uh, yeah. especially if, especially if you want to do some RGB lights. I think it's great for that. It's just and for the money is you yeah. know one of the better ones out there. Govi is also uh, another system that is becoming very, very popular and they are cheaper than, than, um, than the Philips Hue system. Yeah. It's, I, and that's, I got to start, honestly, I got to start looking at this stuff because yeah. I'm probably going to be getting close to, I mean, I'll be doing my probably in about a month, maybe I'll be doing my walkthrough with my electrician and, uh, well, well, I'll be going through this stuff and like, okay, because I, I don't want to waste money putting in just so anything right, just right. to get me in because it's, it's, even if it's 20 bucks for each wall plate or whatever. It is 20 bucks that's that it's going to come out, right? Yeah. Room. yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, if, if, if I can get a smart one for 40, well, then instead of paying 60 <laughs> by buying 40 in the future and already have wasted 20, right. just, Pay right. the extra twenty now and do right. it right, you know. So right. uh, I got lots and lots to uh, uh, research myself, but um, but for the listeners, I don't want to like I don't want to do my whole house on that. But <laughs> make the <laughs> no, whole but it's, it's good all, because like, you know, what helps. light switches am I getting? But yeah. Yeah, it's good because it helps people get an idea what it is that, that, you know, we are talking about. Yeah. Uh, like I was saying, these systems are completely retrofitable. Uh, they're wireless. Uh, it's the, in the mm. case of Lutron works with, uh, radio frequencies. In the case of Control 4 it works with Zigbee, uh, uh, frequencies. And those are rock solid. Like that stuff, it just works. It is just amazing. It just works. Even though it's wireless, it's not Wi-Fi. There are systems out there that use Wi-Fi. I would never do that for lighting. I'm just afraid that, you know, Wi-Fi is not reliable enough and I don't want lighting systems to stop working just because the Wi-Fi goes down, right? Now, right, if you right. use, you use the other system that use their own wireless, um, technology, uh, you know, it just works. It's just, it's just fantastic how well these things work. It never fails. Uh, but like I was saying, in, in your case, if you are interested in a Lutron system, uh, you know, keep in mind your limitations. 75 devices, uh, does not have keypads and it's a forward phase dimmer for the dimmers. The switches don't matter. It's just on and off. So that 
doesn't, it's nothing special yeah. about them. But the dimmers is a forward phase dimmer, but most lights out there will are forward phase unless you get something that is fancy in any way, uh, might have issues. It just might flicker or, or might not work properly. But you know, if that's the case, then you know what the issue is. Uh, but yeah. I think if you, that, you know, obviously the, uh, the amount of, of switches is, 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 you know, what could determine whether or not this is the right system for you. Yeah. All right. Let's get into you, Eddie. Let's do it. Let's talk. Let's talk about you. How did you like, so let's talk about first, let's talk about you and then we'll get into like you, you and home theater. But how did you get started doing all this? Like you're just like, you're so, I want to say you're like, you're professional, but you're also so like easygoing. And it's like, it's just meeting you. I felt like you'd been on my show so many times and I literally just met you like one time hours before I was doing this crazy 24 hour podcast, but you're so easygoing and it's like, what made you go? This is not an easy business. It's It's not. I mean, it's very, it's very, um, I think your personality is what helps you be successful because like you said earlier, setting expectations is very important for the customer. And that's what's going to, at the end of it, it's like if they have clear expectations on what they're getting, you have less of a chance of them being upset about what they got. Exactly. Like, I told you exactly. this is what it was going to be, right? Exactly. So yeah. what made, like, what led you down this road? How'd you end up in, like, you know, home automation? So my journey with, my journey with home automation started when, uh, my wife and I bought a house in New York City, uh, some 15 years ago. And, uh, the house obviously needed some renovation, right? And uh, part of the renovation was to update the lighting system, the electrical in the house. So, you know, we got the electrical going and then I wanted to install, I did not know anything about smart lighting at this point. I didn't even know it existed. Uh, there was no Lutron. There was no Philips Hue back then. It was, it was just, the outrageously expensive Lutron radio outrageously expensive control for Crestron, you know, only the big players who paved the way to where we are today. Right. And so I was looking to uh, buy these switches and back in the day, Lutron had this line of switches, dimmers called Maestro. And mm. what was cool about it, even though they were not smart, is that you could communicate two devices, right? One of them could communicate with the other. You could program it and where radio frequency will communicate. And I just thought it was really cool. So I started doing research on those non-smart switches that Lutron had. And I ran into Radio Ra. At the time it was Radio Ra 1. So it was just called Radio Ra. And it was a smart system that you could control uh, uh, you can program and control, uh, you know, using an app or, or, you know, or you can control it from turning lights from one place to the other side of the house. And I just thought, I just thought it was just magical. Like the ability to control, I never experienced it. I didn't know anything about it, but the idea to be able to control a light from one room, you know, and, from one room control the lights or the entire house. I just thought it was magical. 
So I started looking into yeah. it and that's how I landed into like, oh, there is such thing as control four, by the way, that can control your lights and it can control your thermostat. And there's another thing, like I remember looking into the URC system, which was like coming up with a new system back in that time. And I was just like, this is it. This is, this is what I want to do. Like, I'm going to do this for a living. This is the coolest thing I ever seen. And so the whole process of me, uh, learning all this stuff and, you know, taking the training necessary to become a certified dealer for everything that, that we do, uh, took, took a while, took a few years before I could, you know, a couple of years before I could like say, okay, I'm ready to venture, you know, by myself and, and quit my job and, and, and start my own business and, and let's, let's just do it. At the time, my idea before this, what was I the job was, you quit? I was actually, I worked for, a, for a long time at the Brooklyn Museum in, in, in New York. And I was actually in the printing, oh, wow. in printing. I was, I used to be a press operator at, at the Brooklyn Museum. And I did wow. that. And, and, you know, I was just like ready to, uh, my next adventure. And when I discovered the, what a smart, a smart home was and what it could do. And just think about the fact also to keep in mind that back then, like the software was terrible, right? Like the control port software was yeah. terrible. Everything was so glitchy. Like literally that was the days where nothing worked. Right. And I don't know if you remember this also, but back in the day, uh, Philips, uh, had this remote control, which was a table. It was like a tabletop touchscreen, yep. uh, the Pronto, I think it was called the Pronto yeah. 6000 or something like that. So that was yeah, like one of the one. first, yeah, yeah. So what, that was yeah. one of the first remotes that you could actually program in your computer and you had to like download it to the, yep. to the remote and, and it's just you like could, this big. You could, uh, change the symbols, the, the images icons, on the screen. Yeah. Customize the buttons that, that were on the screen. That's and, right. Yeah. And, but, and that's how I first controlled my lights because I was able to, to, in the computer, you'd program it to talk to the light switch that's right. that I had yeah. had, the Lutron light switch, which had a, it had the and infrared in the back. Yes. In the switch. Yes. Right? I remember so that. Yeah. And then you take the remote that you would, if you were in the room, it gives you a remote so you could be sitting at your seat. But it's like once you, you, uh, you line that up with your computer and you'd have your repeat, your, your computer would be plugged in so it could read that remote. It doesn't care what mode it, remote it is. You just said that button is going to do what this IR signal is, right? So you're like, right. boom. And that's how, that's how you did that's all right. of that stuff. That's and it's right. like, and here you are, you made a business out of it. And it was, <laughs> it was, awesome. it was really like, yeah. you know, like it was like that remote was very popular. It was very expensive yeah. back in the day. And, it was not easy to program either. Like there was, it was no. involved to program it, but that was, that was the player. That was the remote that existed yeah. back then before, uh, before, um, the harmony, uh, you know, there was, not- a, yeah, there was also like you, it was very dependent on you knowing how it was programmed too. Like, so like if exactly. you hit the button to say play TV, it had to know like, all right, if, if you want to do Apple TV, you had, it would turn on your Apple TV. But if I remember right, the early iterations was like, say I wanted to go to my Blu-ray player. But if my Blu-ray player, like you said, was already on, it would shut it off. Correct. Because it was, so, it, it, because a lot of the players had that one, 
that, you know, it was a one button situation. And that's where, and, but now that's when like my family would go to use this and you'd have to explain to them, okay, if you've gone from here to here and it didn't work right, this is what you got to look for. And that's like what I said earlier, how harmony kind of revolutionized everything because it's like, now I don't have to explain anything. They can just hit the help button and it'll go, is your screen on? Is this on? You know, it it would basically do everything we would do with the Pronto and be like, yeah, okay, what button did you hit? (laughs) Right. So the the thing about the Pronto and then followed by the Harmony remote is that they were not necessarily smart remotes, right? These were remotes in which you can program macros to it, right? So you you would build a, a list of micros. So what's a macro? A macro is a list of commands where you tell the remote how to turn on uh, a sequence of commands and right. tell you tell the, yep. the, the the remote how to when to turn on all the components in your system. So you will send the TV on, you will send the you know whatever components you needed to turn on to watch TV. Yep. It will do it in a sequence. So the help button was interesting because uh, half of the system would be on and half of it would be off. So it would, you know, it would, you would tell it what's on and what's off. So that way the help, uh, the remote will send the command again to only that specific device if that device, right. for whatever reason, didn't turn on, right? So those, those are, and interesting enough, we still live in a world of macros, right? But now macros are invisible, even, oh, yeah. even, even to us, like, Remember those connections that I was telling you about that we do in in in, mm-hmm. in programming? We tell how it's connected to the MVR. All I do is literally yeah. tell it, and the system in the background is building the macros for me, right. so I don't have to do it right. anymore, right? So the 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 system now knows and and builds those macros automatically. Know that a TV is a TV. Knows that an MV, uh, you know, a v, a, right. I'm sorry, a receiver is a receiver. So, but yeah, those, those were the days where, where we have to manually yeah. build Mac. And I don't know if you remember the URC remotes, which are, they were very, very popular too. And those were the same thing. You have to like manually build these macros in the remote and, yeah. and tell it what to do. And, and if you did not have the component, you don't have the infrared commands. You had to download it from, from, you know, uh, from a website yeah. and, import it into the remote and, and, and build these macros for on and off. And, and, and yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of work to just program one remote. Oh yeah. And it's when I, when I designed this room, I had the, uh, the Niles repeater system. I still have it. That's what I use. Yeah, I know. I remember Niles. So you got, and that, and you plug in, you, you'd have all your IR repeaters that you could plug into the back. That's right, have, yeah. You know, I think mine's a six or eight jack. And, but then I have up on my front wall is the, is the repeater inside that room that enables me now, even when I went to Harmony, it's like I got the Harmony hub thing is in the back of the room actually shooting at the Niles. From sensor the back to the front. Yeah. Being from the back to the front. So they're talking to each other. Right. Um, I had, uh, at one point I had to have the repeater in a different, I can't remember where I had it, but I had a repeater in the room pointed across the room to where the wall switch was so that when I hit lights off, the repeater, you know, nobody else would see this. This is all wired behind the scenes. It would be popping out from somewhere, you know, but it was like, yeah, you did all of that stuff and you could, you could macro that out so that you could be like, like a kaleidoscape system. When you, when you, when you push play, the lights would go eventually go out, but you would have programmed into the macro like 10 seconds after I push play, will the lights go out? 
you know, so I had, I mean, you could play with all of that stuff. And it's like, and of course there was always a time you sit there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they still on? Okay. There's, uh, oh crap. You'd start checking. You got to get up. You can't watch a movie. You can't go just shut the lights off. You got to figure this out. So, and it could be as simple as like the IR repeater was something was blocking it. (laughs) Everything worked great until nothing worked. Right. And, and also timing. Everything was about timing. Like you had to be like in a special sequence. Otherwise it just doesn't work. But you know what? So, like, Somebody walks in the room and is standing I, I in front of the wall oh, yeah. plate. And be like, get out of the way. I'm trying to turn the lights off. One, what? One, com- <laughs> one component misses a command and the whole thing just doesn't work. Yeah. And But you know what? Even though so even though IR has been uh, around for so long and it's, it's just it's very stable, it, it just works. It's great. Mm. Like, you know, if you... If you have a system where you can put the actual emitter like on top of the component and then wire it back to the, yeah. it just it just works. The problem is that it's yeah, it's not aware, right? It's a one way. It's a one way. It's a one way communication. You send the yes. command and that's it. Where nowadays, yeah. you know, we know the percentage of the volume in the TV by looking at the remote. We know that it's at thirty percent, or you know, we have all this information. That's components so nice. are sending back to us, like. I don't know if you'll be able to see this, but let me show you. Oh, I'm going to use the touch remote. I'm sorry for the uh, audio only. So what I'm going to show okay. uh, DJ is the interface for the Kaleidoscape system and the uh, touch um, in the touch control. So if we go to watch, all right, uh, let me see. Okay, so probably you won't see it, but this option at the bottom, so these are my sources, right? So on the top, I have Apple yep. TV. It says, this is my second Apple TV. It's my Kaleidoscape is the third one. And then at the very bottom is one that says browse movies. So if I hit movie, yeah. hit this button here, it's going to give me a menu. This is the menu coming from my Kaleidoscape. So it says say movies, oh, wow. collections. Uh, yep. It's giving me all the options. And if I go to movies, now this yeah. is the list. Of all my, I don't have a lot, but now I can just go through my movies here. Yeah. If I choose a movie... It will give me the, inf- the information screen. And then if I select it, it's going to turn on my system. It's going to start that movie in my, in my system. So this right. is the beauty. It's, uh, this is the beauty about, about a two way communication, right? This is what system are doing for right. us. Like I can just browse my movie collection in my remote control, pick it and it will it, yeah. start playing in the room. Uh, things that yeah, you could not do back in I the day. That. Yeah, you can do back in yeah, the day. Yeah, even infrared. like using my my Marantz remote that's on the Apple that you have, yeah. and I can I can adjust the volume to it app. because I I always in, in every iteration of my theaters I've always turned the volume off the screen. I don't I want do to the be in thing. my theater. I do the same thing. The, the, I touch the volume. I don't want to see the volume and the see the numbers. No. I don't want, so I always, I, everything is shut off yeah. and it wasn't until what, like the last five, 10 years where you can actually, now I can go onto the app and be able to see what the volume is at. That's right. What I used to do is I used to get up, go out of the room, but here, cause my, all my rack, is, my theater rack is in a different room. I go out of the room, set the volume and then go back in the room and sit down and then if I'm watching and my wife thought it was too loud, I could bump it back a little bit until she was comfortable. And then, you know, then as the movie goes on, I'm bumping it back up a little bit. Yeah. She doesn't yeah. know because it's during a quiet scene. <laughs> I did the same thing. Like, But 
I follow the volume yeah. in, from the remote, but I don't want to see it on the screen. I don't want to see it on the screen. Yeah, I don't want it on and the screen. I have, yeah, that takes, there's no volume at the movie theater. When I go to the movie theater, there's no volume control. I don't want to see it on my screen. Same here. So, Same. yeah, that two-way communication you know, for, is great. Yeah, I agree. For some reason, I do want to be aware of the volume. I just don't want to see it on the screen. Like, if I'm the remote, I know we'll yeah, yeah. take it to 70. I know 80s reference. 70 is like, okay. And, and you know, but I don't want to see it on the screen. Yeah. The screen has to be has to be uh, exactly. free of any any display. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, and I do want to be able to see it. I just don't want it, like you said, because if I'm watching a movie and I'm like, wow, this, this movie doesn't feel like it's very loud. Do I have it set right? Yep, okay, That's right. there you go. And it's like, but I need to be able to see it. I just don't want it to be up there on the screen. Right. You know, same here. And, same here. And, and and there were many, many years where you just didn't know. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. you know, it was oh, literally yeah. only probably oh, yeah. the last 10 years yeah, where you were able to especially, find out yeah. from your seat. If, you, if your MVR was out of sight, you have no idea what your volume level was. No. That's right. Yeah. Not anymore. Now yeah. we have complete feedback. Oh. And we can change, we can change, um, not that I ever do it, uh, but you can change the audio formats if you want from the remote too. Like you can put in stereo, you can yeah, put yeah. in Dolby, you can put in anything. You know, I, I use the yeah. app also. I occasionally, if I want to adjust levels and stuff like that, I, I love the Moran's app. I just like, it's so awesome to go into the menu. Uh, obviously my remote control yeah. will not reach my rack. So I do it from the app and I can adjust, you know, levels or, 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 or whatever I need to adjust for the, for the receiver feel the, yeah. the base is too hot or, or I need to make, you know, small changes. It's just great. It's, it's just, yeah. 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 You can do everything right from there. You don't have to pull up the icons on the screen. You just, I mean, everything you can change. Like you said, you can go from Dolby, you can up mix, you can right, leave it right. as Dolby surround, right. you can, whatever you want to do. So, and as an integrator, yeah, it, as, an, is a, as an integrator, uh, speaking about Marantz, I know Sony does the same thing too. It's like, you know, that same app is available on a web browser, right? So what it means is that for us, it's mm. awesome because we can VPN into somebody's home and we can make adjustments if we need to. You know what I mean? Like if somebody says, Hey, mm -hmm. I need, you know, like they need a specific change in the system. Maybe the center speaker is too high or, or something less bass or more bass or whatever reason we need to log into the, into, right. into the, uh, Marantz. We can just do it remotely, make the adjustments uh, through the web browser and, you know, mm -hmm. we don't have to like physically go there to make them. So that's, that's also great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got into a little bit of that uh, a little while back. I toyed with the Rumi remote system, which is a lot of that integrate where it's not necessarily IR based, but it does. The yeah, it does IP. It's a great system. It's yeah. a great system. Yeah. It, it, and it just got to be too complicated for me and I didn't have, I don't have the time to spend on it for, to just to re, it's something that if I wasn't doing my project with this house, I'd probably have done. Uh, I had Ralph on Ralph Potts and he, he runs that system and he loves it. And so we worked, worked through it a little bit, but it got to be, that's where I saw like what you were showing with your remote and the Kaleidoscape system. I'm like with the roomy system on my, my phone, my entire collection came yeah. up and I was like, yeah. boom, I could jump from scene. To that's scene. right. I'd be in the middle of a movie and you touch a button on my phone and it's like, there's no, you want to talk about no handshake because the there the HDMI is already set up. If you That's go right. from an HDR scene right. and jump right to an HDR scene, yeah. it's literally just as the yeah. all it's doing is a 
it's like three seconds and I'm like, wait a minute. I was just, I was just watching Batman Begins yeah. and I just decided to jump to that scene from Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Like that. And I was yeah. like, this is the best, but I didn't have, I don't have time right now to be playing with stuff like that. So I, I can't yeah. wait to do more of it, but yeah, room is great. Whatever system room is a great remote. Uh, yeah. so I think Rumi, I'm pretty sure. So have you ever heard of the new Ava remote coming out? Yes. So, yeah, I saw the, the demo on it at CD. Uh, CD. Do you, did yeah. you by any chance, we'll get back to this. Did you by any chance, uh, went to see, did you go to see the micro LED walls at CD at all? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Those are nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of those. Do you like them? Yeah. 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 Have you seen them? Yeah. yeah. Have you experienced I, them? Yeah. Let They're, me show you something. Oh, you got one? This is a, <laughs> this is a micro LED, um, panel. And this is how yep. this, these screens are, are formed. So you put a bunch of them together. You know, you start tiling right. them together. Like Legos. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then, uh, and each one of them has multiple panels. And this, <sighs> the beauty of these panels is that if one of them dam- gets damaged, um, you only need to replace wow. one, right? You don't need to replace the whole, the whole screen. So if somebody hits right. one of them and it breaks it, uh, you know, you can just literally pop this out and then it's and one of those, like you've got it. Each panel looks like it's about what? Four by four, five by five. So, inches? Yeah. So each panel, it depends on the manufacturer. These ones are, are about five by five or something like that. So five by five and you have a pan and you have like a small, it looks like a small display, which is four across. This is okay. Too high. 16 by nine. Right. So this is a, uh, one of the, yes, that's right. So this is a, a 0.9 pixel pitch panel. And this one, it's about, I think it's about 200 pixels by 300 and something, whichever 16 by nine is. This is a 16 by nine panel. So you build TVs yep. by adding them, you know, tiling them together and to scale and, and scale yep. and, and forming a picture 110 inches, 135, whatever it is. So this one is a 0.9 uh, pixel pitch, which means that in order to have a 4K display, you will have to have a 135 inch, um, system. So, uh, that's, that's a, okay. that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big system. That's it for the point nine. This is a point nine. So. Now, where that's a point nine, how close, how far do you have to sit from that to get the experience? Like, yeah. if you go up close to yeah. it, do you see the pixel I, pitch? I, or is I, there- I think I can start seeing it anything closer than eight feet, which is, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 You can see. I, the quality is amazing, right? It's self lit, uh, yeah. LEDs, but. And I, I thought it was very interesting. There were so many videos about these uh, systems uh, from Cydia, but nobody talks about the uh, resolution of them. Like Sony had two two of them uh, right as you came in to the Cydia show floor. It's two hundred. It was one hundred and ten inch uh, TVs. Uh, they said it was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars each, but there was nowhere information about resolution of those two systems. Now the guy right. did happen to say that it was 110 inch and it was point, uh, it was a point, I'm sorry, it was a 1.2 uh, uh, pixel pitch. I know for a fact that that's a 1080p. 
So Sony yes. is, is selling a 1080p display for $150,000. On some, on the That's other hand, the part that, yeah. Samsung, on the other hand, it, has the same size. It's a 0.6 uh, pitch, I think. And that one is a true 4K display. So, you know, there's, there's right. something that nobody really says much about the resolution of these devices because they are so expensive that, um, obviously the smaller the, the, the pitch is, the more expensive they are. But, uh, it's right. really, it's really, really important to know. And like you said, it's just like, I, I have this one. So this is just a sample that I ordered from a, from a manufacturer because I wanted to see the quality and I wanted to see also if 0.9 pixel is something that it's, it's, it's usable. But I think right. that if you see anything eight feet or closer, you can start, you can start seeing the, uh, the pixel yeah. structure. And that's, and that, that's the part that. I don't think a lot of people have started, they'll understand when it becomes more prevalent and you go and see these things. Yeah. I think it's a great idea and I think it's great technology. And that's why I said, like, I'm a fan of this. But to your point, it's like, oh yeah, you just make this, it like Legos, right? And you put it together and you can make whatever wall you want. But to your point of like, wait a minute. So like a 4K image means now 4K is four thousand pixels yeah across the screen that's right right 30. 1080 is uh, 1080 yeah. pixels down the screen right all right? right if you're buying panels and like you said you, that panel system that you have there to get a 4k image right which means to have 4000 pixels doesn't mean you're going now that's where a lot of people i think are mixing this up it's like oh you'll have a 4k image What's a 4K image? It technically, it's a, a 4K image is 4,000 pixels across the screen. Doesn't tell you how close the pixels are together. Right. Doesn't tell you how, you know what I, it's like they don't, and when you're, when you're putting these together, and that's why I asked you how close do you have to get? If you do a, say you did it with a projector or you pay for a, a 120 inch OLED, those pixels are but, right up against each yeah, other. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. And that's the resolution that you're yeah. seeing. So when you walk yeah. up to it, you're like, I can barely see yeah. the difference between those pixels. Yeah. So for this image, like you said, it's like from eight feet, you're yeah. going up to it and now you're starting to see yeah. the space between yeah. the two pixels. Yeah. It's 4,000. It's a 4K image, but there's space between yeah. the pixels. Yeah. So that literally, if you put that next to a 135 inch projected image, and you're at eight feet. I, you're going to see a difference yeah. and it's not going to be in favor of the panel. <laughs> yeah. Well, what the manufacturers right? are, what the manufacturers are uh, banking on is that if you have, like, for instance, this is a 0.9 to uh, make a 4K image, you will need 135 inch in diagonal. So what manufacturers must be banking on is the fact that you're probably not going to be sitting at eight feet from a 135 inch screen, right? Probably going to be feet, sitting a little bit back, maybe 10 feet, maybe right. a little bit more. Uh, but like in my case, uh, uh, I'm designing a theater in my basement where I only have room for a 110 inch screen. I cannot go bigger than that. Mm -hmm. uh, a 0.9, even though it would not, not be work. a 0.9 at 110 inch would not be a 4k. It will be a 1440p and I will be able to see the pixel. This is not a system, obviously, unless I go for a 0.7 right. or even a 0.6, which is probably twice as much money. 
So yeah, that is really important. Right, because now you've got to get a more refined exactly. pixel exactly. to get down to that size exactly. to scale to 110. To, to get 110, you've got to get a tighter set of pixels, exactly. right? And that costs more money. And, but now you're still, but why? And at that point, this is where it becomes like cost prohibitive. Like, why am I spending all that money for only 110 inches when there's many other ways right now to do 110 inches well, that is really good? It's, uh, CES basically killed this, these things because now we have 115 inch TVs. Like, why would you buy this yeah. over a 115 inch TV, right? There's doesn't make sense anymore. Right. And even LG is updating the 97 inch OLED to the G4 series and and it's, you know, one quarter the price of this uh, system. So, yeah, at, at a certain size, this does not make. And, and you know, and, and Samsung has been showing 75-inch, 85-inch micro LED, and I just don't get it. Why, why are they doing that? Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, yeah. the new mini LEDs, LCDs are incredibly bright. They have an amazing picture. The Sony 85L, I think it is, is just one of the best TVs in the market. How would this be better than that? Um, this, by the way, it's only 900 nits. Like, I understand that if you have a 160 yeah. inch screen, blasting at your 900 nits will be blinding. Yeah, I know that. But if you have an 85, or 75, now this kind of systems really do, do not make any sense whatsoever. Even at 110, it's like, I don't know, like, you know, we are getting to the point where we have TVs that big, right? And, uh, right. It's, I mean, and like I said, I like the idea. I'm a fan of the technology. And 20 years from now, it'll probably, where they can refine it. And then those, you can make 110 it. You can, place that yeah. wherever you want yeah. and, and to your point like you showed like you damage one part of the tv you don't have to replace the whole tv you can yeah. replace that one panel so that there there is pluses coming it's just right now it's it's not even to get that big now like you said it's like yeah, it's not really yeah gonna be, uh, i guess these ones are nice i think this this system is nice in very large installations like like 160 inches maybe where uh first of all where there's a budget number one yeah. and number two is um 160 inch you can sit far back enough that you don't see the pixel structure and uh it just i don't know i i guess it's very debatable whether or not this makes sense right now given the fact that are so expensive. Uh, believe me, this is an issue. Like, there's always the potential that you're going to see via scenes. And, uh, that, yeah. would, that would drive me insane. If I'm watching a movie and I can see the scenes, that's all I would be able to see. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I think it's like for many, in many cases, it's just not even doable. Like, no, I don't want to see somebody pays 150 grand and, and, and they sit down to watch yeah. scenes. I mean, that's not going to be pretty, right? Yeah. But no, and the idea is, and that's where you get into your, uh, the, the pixel pitch and everything. It's like the space between them is consistent. So now that is your seam because the space in the seam is exactly the same. So that's where the money goes when you have to pay more money for a more, yeah. more refined pixel. Now that seam has to be tighter so that because as you get more refined, you're going to see that if it's not tighter, that seam, you're going to see it, like you said, on the screen. Yeah. So what I was and, able to, what was, I was able to, because I, I was trying to figure out, like, why can you see the seams in those TVs, right? And this is my opinion. 
So when you have two panels like this and they're perfectly aligned, if the one panel to the next one is perfectly aligned, uh, meaning that it's completely flush, they both are the same, you know, there's no difference between the two of them, you will not be able to see a scene. It's invisible. You know, right. the, 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 the distance between the pixel from one panel to the next one is the same. It's 0.9. Is There's identical. no difference. Yep. The reason yep. why you see seams is when one panel is sitting just slightly on top of the other one. So if you slightly move this panel and now you have a surface ah. on the side showing, this is where light would hit and then it will become visible. You know what I mean? So as long as, yeah. yeah, so as long as these two panels are perfectly aligned, then you'll be fine. The problem is that right. there is no such thing as a perfect wall. There is like the fact that you're <laughs> going to be aligning like a hundred of these perfectly even from the first row all the way to the last one. It's just like very difficult, right? And that's Almost where impossible. you, yeah. <laughs> now the processors that, that are used to install these systems do have a line adjuster. So my understanding is that the processor can adjust the lighting on those lines on the edge. So by adjusting the brightness in just those lines, uh, it minimizes that, yeah. that visibility yeah. of that, you know, of that scene. But it doesn't seem like it's a technology that's, uh, ready for critical viewing. No, it's it not. It feels like it's more of a technology for like, you know, commercial use in hallways yeah. at businesses yeah. and advertising and we can put up big boards that are going to look great. And it did, it looked great. It, they look great at CD yeah. cause you're, but you're walking around with a bunch of yeah. people, but to actually sit down in your room and watch content that you've seen over and over and be like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just not ready for critical viewing. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. It's not ready for that, but you know, maybe the technology yeah. will improve. Maybe they will make those panels larger. So you oh, have, yeah. you have less, you have less scene. Maybe in one of these panels, you will have only one, you know, you have let, I'm, I'm guessing given the technology, it has to be done in, in sections. So I don't know if there's a way they, right. they could just, well, imagine if they, Imagine if they could do a hundred and you could do a hundred and ten inch in your theater with this type of technology with four fifty-five inch panels that are perfect. You know that's how perfectly they perfectly aligned. So yeah, they, they, yeah, perfectly aligned. But now it gives you that option of okay, if one gets damaged, it's easier to transport. Yeah. It's there's a whole yeah. bunch of variables that make it a, appealing, but they have to get there, and then they have to mass produce this. I just don't, I think we're a ways off from that because I think there's just so many other options to get you a great quality image at whatever size you want. There's yeah. so many options that this is, and this is so cost prohibitive right now just in manufacturing and that's why they cost so much. It And, and where it's not very good, it's not set up for critical viewing yet. The only people that are really interested in this stuff is people that would be critical viewers, meaning if it's ever going to get to critical viewing. I'm not putting it, you know, like you don't want to put it in your theater. This is, it's not, no, the quality isn't no. good enough yet. No, it's not. And it's too expensive. Yeah. It, it, it used to be the other way around. It's like, oh my God, it's so expensive, but the quality is so good. So I could see why people would buy it. Now it's like quality is less and it costs 10 times as much. Yeah. Where are we going? <laughs> We're going in the wrong direction. Right. 
Right. You know, but they, that's how, that's how you get new ideas and that's how they're going to develop it, I'm sure. So, um, but yeah, that's, it, it's great that you even get the opportunity to play with stuff like that. Yeah. So the interesting thing is the, what I do like about this system is the flexibility. They're incredibly flexible in terms of like how you want to project an image. Like for instance, this mm-hmm. panel, one panel, I think, like I was saying, it's like 240 pixels by 300 and something. And through the processor, I can project, I can, show an entire 16 by nine in this uh, panel alone. Right. If you have four, you can project it in four. If you have eight, you know what I mean? Whatever, whichever yep. arrangement of panels you have, you can show the entire image in that arrangement. It doesn't matter how many you have. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of neat because it's, it's, it's very flexible. Like think about having, for instance, a two rows uh, theater, right? With a system like this. And because we can, we'll do a four by three. We cover a 45 degree, uh, viewing angle. You have the flexibility to lower that scope image to the bottom. If only one row is watching the movie, you can raise it. Oh, yeah. If two rows are watching the movie, you know what I mean? With a push of a button, yep. I can just project that image on the top or I can project it in the middle. Or I can project it at the bottom. So, you know, it, it has yeah. to, I mean, how useful would that be? Well, it's just, just a, a, a way to, uh, a, a way to display the content on the, on, on the, uh, on the micro LED wall that is incredibly flexible. It's, it's, it's actually quite yeah. amazing how flexible it is, but, but it has to be, uh, I think image quality, of course, is more important, right? And like, I want to sit down and watch my movie. Yeah. I want it to be as good as possible. No doubt. Yeah. And it's like, like I, I see it in bar atmospheres. Obviously, right. like right. you're at, and right. you, you, instead right. of running a 16 by nine, you would run like just, you know, whatever. I don't know what you would call whatever it. Whatever shape you, could, you want. Run it to, all the yeah. way across the top yeah. of the bar. Yeah. Really. And you could put yeah. each, and you could put as many yeah. displays in there that you that's want. Right. You could have a ticker going underneath it. There's so, that's right. That's what, and that's why I say in a commercial use, these things are going to be great. I mean, sporting events, they're going to be bright enough for a bar environment. They're going to look good. If they get damaged, you can, you, you know, they're easier to replace an entire yeah, yeah. display. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's a lot and it's not critical viewing. You're in a bar. You're hanging out. It's like you can do as much or as little as you want with it. Um, and that's where I think it's going to start. And then it'll probably refine itself from there. Well, some brands, down to our level. yeah, some manufacturers have actually gotten DCI approval. Uh, so, uh, some systems like DCI are certified. So these systems are already being installed in movie theaters, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's some movie theaters mm-hmm. overseas. I don't know anything about, about the States, but they definitely, you know, finding a way into the movie industry. And, um, uh, I guess the, 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 the fact that they were able to make the pixel so small, the pitch so small that, that they saw an opportunity to introduce it to the, uh, to the home theater market, but obviously like, you know, you just mentioned, it's just so expensive, but it's kind of interesting that it did receive DCI approval, uh, which also I think is requires to be Dolby vision approved as well. So we'll mm-hmm. see. 
I could definitely see it in a in a regular theater at that size. Right. Where you, you could build it. That's right. Because I mean, we you go up to a movie screen right now in a theater and you see the perforations. Yeah, the holes. Could, I mean, they're huge. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're sitting thirty, forty feet away a lot of times, right? The closest person's probably twenty feet in right. in, in these big big screens, right? Yeah. So where and you can you can have a quote unquote cheaper, less expensive pixel pitch <laughs> in a, when it takes <laughs> yes, up a absolutely, giant right. screen. Yes. Right? Yes. So yes. I can see where it has it. Yes. That's another commercial use that, that would be, would pay huge dividends. You don't have to worry about like uh, back in, I know they're shooting lasers now, but before it was, you know, bulb dimming and projectors right. and right. Re- I mean, you run in all this stuff digitally, it's going to streamline the entire industry. Where, you know, adopting it now might cost a little money, but it might, it's probably going to save them money in the long run because of how the, how smooth the systems would be working. Yeah. Plus so the fact that movies, that. plus the fact that movies are being uh, delivered digitally now. So, you know, that also, yeah. that also helps. Uh, yeah. I'm sure the quality is better than, than those projection screens, but. Time would tell. Yep. I mean, we still now have other issues like speaker arrangement. Like, where's the left, center, right speakers being installed now? Yeah, we, yeah, because now you've you've just occupied your room, the right. wall, right? And how right. do I get sound? Now I've got to go up and above and around. So there's that issue. Um, yeah, it's there. I mean, but that's what we do. That's what's fun. It's like, oh, I this is great. Oh, wait, technology, a right? <laughs> yeah, well, technology, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, let's wrap up a little bit. How now I, I, I wanted, I'm definitely having you back. So we'll talk more about that later, but did home theater come first or did you get into the, like, the home automation stuff, smart home stuff, well, and then just fall into home theater? Which my, way did it go for you? No, no. My love for home theater has been there since I was a teenager. So I remember, uh, nice. when I was a teenager buying a, um, uh, a, a additional home theater magazine because I saw mm. the cover. I was just passing by in a newsstand uh, when I was in, in high school. I did not speak any English. And uh, I saw this cover of this home theater. And I remember it was like red, very classic looking theater. Uh, and I was just like, holy crap. Red drapes? Magazine? Yeah. Like, you know, like the old style Movie theaters that used I, to used to have Runco Runco um, projectors yep. in it, and yep. I just bought oh, the yeah. magazine, and I was just fascinated by it. But I always something that I always I always loved, I was being in love with. So, uh, you know, it's just and it's still like today. I just the whole uh, watching movies is just it's just such a like. It never gets old, right? It's just amazing. Actually, you know, no. you, you guys were discussing the, um, uh, Monarch, uh, show, uh, in the podcast yeah. lately. So I watched it and because I watched Monarch, I started watching, uh, you know, all the Godzilla movies again. I've been watching, mm. I just watched, yesterday I watched Kong versus Godzilla. I watched, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. I, and I still have a few more to watch. Just want to revisit and watch them all again because, you know, there was yeah. an, obviously, there was a relation with the uh, show, uh, which is, you know, it's kind of cool. It's just, it's, and sometimes yeah. 
honestly, sometimes watching movies is like watching them for the first time again. It's like, oh, I didn't even remember any of this. You know what I mean? Especially when you haven't seen it for a while. So uh, yeah, it's always fun to yeah. revisit all it's, those movies. It's funny you say it. Yeah, it's I'm 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 trying. I, I want to go back and watch all the Godzillas. I got them all queued up, and I'm like, but I even went on to I looked up some of the older ones, and I can you can get them on Apple. Um, was it Apple or Amazon? I think I think it's on Apple, and you can there the the original like 1955s. Yes, it's, it is in. Uh, it's, it's also too. HBO Max. Yeah. Yes, and HBO Max as yes, well. Yes, that's what yes. it is. It, you're yes. right. It's uh, yes. HBO Max. You're right. Because yes. I went into, I searched on my Apple TV and it said, go to Max. So I was like, okay. And it took me right there. And I, I was like, I was so close to Q. They're in, you know, four by three. I watched the trailers on a couple of them. And yeah. uh, they're, yeah, the four by three image, black and white. And, you know, the the old Godzilla yeah. monster. And I'm like, oh man, I, I got to get back into this. I, I got it. I love like, it. It's it's, you're right. It's, it's that that to me is like for me it's why i've i've told told you guys all the time on the show i'm like i just jump around like you said yeah. you watch monarch and you're like yeah. now i got to go watch these movies yeah. i'll be in the middle of a movie yeah. and be like oh my god like kurt russell and monarch i mean i didn't do it but it's like it, it, it something i would do would be like oh my god i haven't seen tango and cash in so long right <laughs> so right i know you go watch I that know. right but then in the middle of Tango and Cash, I'll be like, oh, my God, Cobra, Commando, Commando. <laughs> I haven't seen Commando. That's not wow. even the same actor, but I was just went back to the genre. But that's how my head works. And then you start jumping around and you, oh, my God, it's just so much fun. And then and you're right. A lot of times, especially in our new with our with our systems, with the, the processing power they have, whether it's visually or audible. Oh, it's amazing. You go back and watch. It's amazing. You go back and watch a Commando and go. Yeah, that's been there the whole yeah. time. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like it's, it's just think about the age. So think about the dates of four eighty i, two hundred lines of resolution, ah. where we are today. And you know that 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 is one thing that I just cannot take for granted. I just cannot do it. I sit no. down in my so my media room here, my living room, where behind the camera, uh, I have a seventy seven inch uh, OLED TV, right, and I sit about nine feet from it. And every time I watch a movie, I'm like in awe. Like it is just incredible where we are from 480i. Not only that, but the kind of effort that artists are putting into even TV shows. You t- you watch a t- an Apple TV show or a Netflix TV show or anything, and it just looks like pure Hollywood uh, uh, cinematic yeah. look, right? And it's just. Wow, it's just it's really truly amazing where we are in terms of like quality and resolution and 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 content. It's just it's just mind blowing. And it's just where else can it go, right? So what it, I think this is something that you were trying to talk about the other day. It's like what is the next step, like because where we are is yeah. already pretty amazing. It's just like incredible, like that 4K image with that right. HDR. It's just so fantastic. And wow. Yeah. Amazing. It's, I mean, like you said, when we had like 480 was the max or whatever. And you're like, you're like, that was like, you got a laser disc and you're like, and it was interlaced also. It was interlaced, which meant like at any point you only had half that. It was a 200. Yeah. We didn't get progressive until DVD. Right. I think, or you could, you, you could do, I think the Faruja video processors would do it. 
Yeah, um, but that but was those are a hundred thousand dollars. Yes, <laughs> yes. Plus, it was not native for for ADP, right? It was like interpolated no. to to for ADP, right? And that that was very useful in projectors because you could the image is so big right. and for ADI that having a four ADP will really improve the quality of the image. Um, yeah, but TV right. is like four ADI, but. E- e- but even back then, you'd go up to your screen and it was, I mean, the old thing, your parents telling you don't sit too close to the screen, you'll get sick. It's because of the resolution was so poor. We knew the resolution. I mean, we were like, this is the best it could be. We didn't know it was going to get better. But you could go walk up to the screen and see the flaw in the technology. These, it was a screen door if you got close enough to it, right? You could see each pixel, right, each right, block. Right. And then as that has grown, when we went to 1080 and you're like, wow, you had to put your nose to it to see yeah, it. Yeah. Now we're at 4K yeah, yeah. and you put your nose to, uh, my screen's 110 yeah. inches. I put my nose yeah. to it. I can't see those pixels. So right. we are, I mean, how much better can it get? Because we can't even perceive what we have now. Yeah. And then when, when we talked about those panel displays, you're like, okay, we've actually gone backwards because they're trying to advance the tech, but right. it's actually gone backwards a bit on us on visually because we can, they just introduced the technology where we could see the flaw. Exactly. We, we're, yeah. we're at flawless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah. so that's what I think right now. It's like, how much better can this get? Because it's, we're at a point of, we're past our own perception both audibly and, and visually. And it's like, now how, how do we tighten this up? And this is where like, we're all in it. It's like how much it's diminishing returns, like how much better can it get? And I, I think that's why they're working with the panel system. It's a, the next frontier is just how to implement this in different ways at different places. Correct. I don't, I, it's, I, I'm not sure if the technology is actually going to improve the actual like, image quality. Because we're, we're already seeing lifelike, right? Yeah. Other than it, I mean, I, I don't know if we can, it'd be great. I'm not, I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying it's getting harder and harder to improve these images. Well, to, to make it lifelike, the first thing that we need is 10,000 nits, right? So we live in a 10,000 nit world. And, you know, that's what hmm. CV, CES was all about, right? Introducing 5,000 nits TVs. Uh, 4,000 each TV. So I guess that is yeah. the next step, but you know, it's, I don't know. I feel like my TV is bright enough. So I don't know, you know, like if I need, if I need, if I'm going to buy a 10,000 each TV and I need to like set the brightness down to 20%, there's, there's no point. So I don't know. I guess the content right. would have to be correct. It has to be like in a way that, you know, you only see 10, obviously 10,000 nits when you're supposed to see 10,000 nits. You see five nits when you're supposed to see five nits. And this is what dynamic range is about, right? But, uh, we'll right. see, uh, supposedly that is the next step, the next evolution. AK did not, seems like it did not work out because people could not tell the difference. Like, it's can't tell the difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, I mean, it would work if you get up to over like, I say, I, I've always been saying 200 inches, but I think the number is like 175 or something. Once you get uh, that size screen, yeah, you're going to be able to walk up to the screen and see the difference between a 4K pixel and a 8K pixel, right? You, Enough when you sit in position, right? Right. No. Yeah. No. And, that, and then how many people have a 175 to 200 inch screen? I know. Need, I know. That need to have the 4K be that refined to get it to 8K. 
Well, right? You don't need it. It's like it, oh, there's not a lot of implementation of that. It does seem like a lot of the uh, improvements in the near future are about larger displays, right? So we have the micro LED, which mm. where larger displays, displays do make sense. Uh, we, you know, the new 110, 115 inch TVs that I'm sure require a lot of power, a lot of light. And, uh, I guess that's where it's going to show up, uh, more, but, but, you know, in my room where the biggest I can do is 77 inch TV, which is what I have right now. I mean, I don't know. That's the reason why I don't even like Samsung TVs because they're, they're they are so saturated. They're not the very natural. I mean, I'm going to ruffle some feathers here, but uh, I just think they're not very natural looking TVs, and and they're incredibly bright. And you know, if you know, if for some people that's good, so good. Like I don't think that mm. an oversaturated, over bright image is something that I want to. Uh, I want to be looking at, I mean, if you calibrate your project, chances are you're going to dim it down to 40, 50, uh, foot lambers, right? Which is what's required in, in, in a projector to, um, be able to show the, the, the content the way it's supposed to be shown, right? Like 110 right. nits, I think it is. So, you know, it's like, do we get any benefit from these, uh, 5,000 nit TVs? And if we do, it, you know, it has to be well done. It has to be well implemented. You know, like if the sun, the sun coming through that window is supposed to be 10,000 nits, so be it 10,000 nits. But the image, the rest of the image is supposed to be dark. I want to see it dark, right? So, so I, I want a TV that I have to put my sunglasses on. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's exactly what's like, the point. That, it's like, you know, like, you know, it's like, it, I think a lot of this 10,000, it's all for, so we can eliminate having to control the environment. Right. If exactly. I have a 10,000 nit TV, exactly. I can show decent yes. contrast with all the lights on and light coming in the room because now not only I'm not competing with that sunlight coming in the room, I can match it and I can, you know, so if I need to show something on the screen and I want it to show with great, you know, dynamic range of darkness to brightness in a well lit room, I'm going to be able to do that. Right. But the irony t- to me, that's not critical viewing. You're not, no, not in a well-lit room watching a movie and doing critical viewing because even at that point, you're, I mean, rising tides, you're raising everything up. And if you're in a well-lit room and you could have a 10,000 nit TV and it's all, oh, look at it, it can do all this. All my lights are on, but I go to watch, you know, the Batman, all those black scenes, all those dark images on the screen are going to be like you're competing against all the light in the room. And now either, yes, can you get a, is it a, you know, a a flat finish on the screen so you don't get as much reflection, but that light is still going to be hitting that screen and it's going to take out details that you might not be able to otherwise see. And that's why we, when we want critical viewing, you turn the lights down so that your concentration goes there and you're not looking at the, you know, the, the, rose-colored lamp over on the side, even though, look at it, I can have all my lights on. Yeah, and I'm supposed to be watching this, you know? So I I think it's they're fighting a battle that you know, it's like all right, I don't want to control my environment. All right, but that's the best way to get the best for critical viewing. Yeah, but I don't want to do that, so you're not going to do critical viewing. Yes, I am. Hmm. That's not critical, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, so 
I don't know. So uh, to each his own. I know, I know. So we derail a little bit from home automation, which is fine. But do you want to spend a few minutes talking about home theater and home automation? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, what do you got? I got, I've got a few more. So minutes. there's, yeah. yes. Uh, so going back to what we were talking about, about, uh, the uh, notion of the idea that a smart home system can cost a hundred thousand dollars and the fact that, uh, the DIYer doesn't want to give up control, right? That's, that's, that's one of the most, uh, uh, yeah. you know, um, difficult things to, to understand where <laughs> when an integrator like myself comes in and, and, and programs a smart home system, the homeowner does not have any control over that programming. Right now. And we talked about also how control for has a startup uh, package that is $1,100 that includes the core one processor, the small processor includes one remote control. And that is great for your home theater, right? This is also for a home, home theater. Yeah. It's also a whole system. It's not crippled. You can run the entire software. You can do whatever you want. You can add any device, Zigbee lighting, thermostat, whatever you want to it. Right now the, and let's, let's talk about this in a home theater uh, kind of environment, right? So when a, when let's say that you want to add a, uh, Halo remote to your home theater and you want your Halo remote to control your, your Caseta switch. Let's say you have a Caseta switch on the wall and you have, let's say, two LED Philips Hue lights on the sides. Let's say that's your accent lighting, right? Uh, mm-hmm. so you will call me and say, Hey, I may, I need to, I, I would like to have a small control system, control for system in my home theater. I, I'd like to have that. Halo remote. I want it. I want my Kaleidoscape system integrated in it. My Apple TV integrated in it. I want to be able to control my, my Hue lights and my, and my Caseta switch, right? Okay. The initial, the first step to program a system like this is to add the components to the system and, and make sure that they are functioning in its most basic form. This is what I call control. So what do I mean? It means mm-hmm. that you should be able to turn on and off your lights from the control for app, turn on and off the hue lights, change the colors of the hue lights from the control for, turn on and off your home theater system, adjust the volume and all the basic control for the entire system. Set the temperature of your thermostat with your smart home. Uh, I'm sorry, with your, with your phone and the control for app if you want everything integrated into the control for app, right? So this is what I call control. The control part of the programming has to be done by a dealer. So I will have to Mm -hmm. do that for you. I will have to make sure that everything works, turns on and off. The macros for your home theater are working correctly. The volume is working correctly. Kaleidoscape is working correctly. Apple TV is working correctly. I have not done anything else. Nothing is done. No magic, no automation, nothing. That's what I call control. Again, I do this myself using the control for programming software and I program that for you. Now, control for, as I was saying, but I say it again for those who did not uh, watch the uh, 24 hour podcast is control for, as far as I know, is the only company that offers the software that we use to program the uh, systems to the end user, to the client. 
Now, mm. this version of the software, which is called Composer Home Edition, for me, it's called Composer Pro. Composer Home Edition, right. it's a software intended for the client, for the end user. Now, this software has a limitation. It will not allow you to add devices to the system. It will not allow you to do that basic configuration that I just talked about, the basic programming. Right. Now, when I say basic programming, it's just as easy as adding a device to the system, meaning that if you call mm -hmm. me, you tell me, hey, man, I added a second switch to the back of the theater. Can you uh, add it to the system? By adding that component to the system, basically Control 4 will automatically add it and it will automatically be able to control it, right? So this is the kind of programming that cannot be done by the end user. It has to be done by your end, by the, uh, right. the, the, uh, the, uh, installer. And this is the part where I was telling you about that it's like, it's when we do our bindings, our connections in the system. This right. cannot be broken, cannot be changed by the end user. So, you know, more about this in a moment. Using, now we have basic control of the system on and off. We understand what that means is, you know, it's like grab your, your TV remote, not the smart one, just a regular TV remote, turn it on, turn it off, volume up, volume down. That is basic control. And that's why we told control for so far to do, right? Right. Now, the other part of a smart home system is the automation, right? So automation is where we started to do the fancy stuff, right? We want hmm. to, uh, you know, like, dim down the lights as soon as my Kaleidoscape player hits, I hit the play button in my Kaleidoscape player. You know what I mean? I wanted to automatically uh, 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 turn off the lights. I wanted to automatically lower the shade. So now I'm implementing automation into my system. This part, automation part, the end user has 100% control over it. You can program that yourself using Composer Home Edition. When it comes to automation, to do whatever you wanted to do uh, of the system that you already have installed, that can be done mm -hmm. by the end user. There is nothing, and I seriously mean there is nothing that you can do that will break the system. Nothing. Because it's right. just as easy as adding and deleting line codes, which are very easy to do. It does require a little bit of, there's a stepping learning curve, like using a little bit of logic and common sense on how to program it. Mm -hmm. But everything that you add into that box or lines of code, you can easily just remove and you will get your system back to the way it was, right? Go back to, yeah, exactly. Again, like you reset, can, you, you, your setup gets it. This is every, you, I can't touch. You can, anything you can even you see it. Up. You can even see it. You won't, you will not be right. able to see all the physical bindings, initial programming that I do. You will not be able to see it. You will see the list of devices right. because you need them to do your automation. So, you, but you cannot right. alter that. You cannot break it. In other words, you can, you can grow as free as you want when it comes to automation, right? right? So let me give you a little example. Like I have my Kaleidoscape system. When I press play, actually, the way I start watching a movie is like this. Hey, Josh, movie time. 
So Josh will automatically give me a feedback. I can't remember what it is. It's over there. It will turn off the lights in my, in my first floor. It will lower the, uh, the shades. It will turn on my Kaleidoscape system. It will have it ready for me, right? So it will do all these little things that I want it to do. The shades will only be lower if it is daytime. If it's nighttime and I want them open, it will stay open, right? Because I don't need them to lower uh, right. at nighttime. You know, like I said, this is a media room. It's a, it's a living space environment. So Josh will just take care of all my settings, turn on the uh, the Kaleidoscape system. And this is done through Control 4, by the way, because, you know, it's talking to Control 4 and it's telling it all these things that we're doing, right? right. When I press the the pause button, so this is our part of automation as well. When I press the pause button, what I, what I program in my Kaleidoscape system was that it will set certain scene. It will turn on the bathroom light and it will change the image to the movie poster on the screen, right? So instead of having the pause, the movie being paused, it switches to the poster, right? And then when right. I press play, it will lower the lights again and it will play the movie. The poster will disappear and it will keep playing the movie. So there are so when it comes to the Kaleidoscape system, I'm being very specific because it's the only system that really you can you can do that. You know, it has so many yeah. programming stuff that you can do. I'm sure that you 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 looked into it when you when you did your your roomy remote uh, uh, programming. Oh yeah, you can do scenes where uh, uh, you know, like as soon as the credits start rolling, you can have a scene come up slowly. You know, back to light up yep. your, your room again or your open space, whichever space it is that you're watching a movie on. And this is also part of automation. So all these things I'm talking about right now are what I what I call automation. And this is the part that you have 100% control over. It. Like you can program this stuff yourself. And, um, and what, you know, you can just pretty much do whatever you do in terms of like Walking into a room, if you have motion sensor, uh, if I'm not in that room in 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, turn off the lights. You know what I mean? Uh, and so all mm. this programming stuff that is part of automation that goes beyond basic control, the end user can do it using the composer home edition, uh, software. The composer home edition software is a PC based software. It runs on windows. It looks like it's from 1990. I'm not going to lie, but it would allow you, it would allow you, (laughs) it would allow you to program your system, the automation aspect of your system in any way you want. And you can, and I mean, you can do conditionals, you can do so many things and, and it's just your imagination. It's, 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 it's your limit. And the beauty of it is that it is very personalized to you. Right. You can program it the way that you want it and you can do all these automations the way that you want them. You can add, you know, buttons to the interface. You can just, just, just do so many, so many ways of automation. Just, you know, whichever you, you think you can, you, you want to do, you can just do it yourself. And because you have control over it. That means that you can change it at any time you want. Like I, this lighting yeah. scene is too bright. You can just go to the settings in the app and lower the, it's too light bright. You can just yep. lower the scene. Obviously, if you, if you have a Caseta, um, uh, lighting system, you'll be able to do that in Caseta app, right? But in terms of like what to do when you turn on that Kaleidoscape system or that home theater system and you wanted to do things, 
you have control over it 100%. Uh, you can do it yourself. You can delete it. You can change it. You get bored within five minutes with it because it's like nobody else is seeing this cool stuff that I'm doing. You know, you can change it and you can just get it because, you know, the, awesome. the movie poster in Kalanscape, I'm the only one who sees it, right? So <laughs> yeah. oh, when I, we had, yeah. oh, when we it, had guests, you know, I guess, but you know, they don't care. So yeah, like, yeah, okay. Whatever. Yeah. What, oh yeah. That's the poster. Who cares? Nobody's impressed. No, exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Nobody's impressed. But look, let me ask you this about, uh, Josh AI yes. is, can you, can you change the name? That you say, or does it? Does Josh AI have to be Josh? And are there any? You that can, you yes, you can, but it's limited to what, what, whatever they they want to. I think there is like a couple of options that you can choose, uh, but they oh. they determine that. You know, like there's no, you cannot do a custom. It has to be whatever you want. Oh. Like, and then you can also change the voice, the response voice. They have like multiple, yeah. multiple. Um, Male, female, yeah, like acc- Jarvis. yeah, exactly, like accents <laughs> and stuff like that. I can't, I can't remember on top of my head right now, like what are the options for Hey Josh? Because I have a client whose jo- whose name is Josh, and he wants a Josh. Yeah. So you know that's gonna be a problem, right? So, but uh, yeah, you can change it, but it's very limited. <laughs> it's talking to oh, me in the it? back. That's funny. Yeah, and because yeah, um, I. I- is there any system that you can change and make it to what you want it to say? Like for voice control? Yeah. Like is there the, any the, other like no. cause like I, I don't, you can't change like the Alexa name. You can't I don't, change I think like, no Google I think Siri, can you? No, I don't think so. It's very limited. It's definitely very limited. Like Josh yeah. does give you a couple of options, but I can't remember what they are, but they're not great. You know, it's like, oh, this, I might as well just stay with Josh. You know what I mean? It would be cool if you can call it Jarvis or whatever you want to call it, but they don't. Just... Yeah. Make up a name and yeah, I mean, yeah. if it's going to recognize your voice, yeah. you should be able to program yeah. the voice that you want it to, the name you want it to recognize, right? The trigger name. Yeah. And I wonder I what think that, that is. Would, if they, if they ever did it, it would, I think it would make it, a lot of this stuff would be, uh, more reliable. Like it, like you said, you have a customer that's named Josh and people come home and be like, Hey Josh, can you get the lights for me? And I'm like, yeah. what the yeah. heck? Yeah. It's like, I was talking to my husband or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and there you go. It's like, I just turned on and it's like, Oh, what? Uh, you know, it's, it's, but if you could just program the, your particular name, then you don't have to worry about like, like what happens when you say the A lady, somebody listen to the podcast and I say, you know, A lady turn Brightside Home Theater way up. Yeah. <laughs> and I just controlled your house if you're listening to this, yeah. right? So, but if you could have a unique name yourself, that would be, you know, that, that foils all that. So it's kind of interesting I, I, because Alexa and, and Josh are such, such a common name, right? Like it's, 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 they are now. <laughs> well, they are now, right? You're right. <laughs> But no, unfortunately, uh, you can change it. Yeah, it, has, it can be something else, but the software only gives you like only certain options. I can't remember what they are because I, I, huh. I looked into them and it's like, ah, I just didn't seem like it makes sense. I just left it. And, and yeah. the thing is that I say Josh and then I have a, you know, a woman's voice responding. So I have a, so Josh, but it's, it's a woman talking back. So it's, yeah. it's kind of weird, right? Yeah. But the one thing of Josh, uh, is that it works. It's great. It's just like, it's a rock solid platform. It's not cheap. It's expensive, but it's like, you know, yeah. it just works. It was, 
it was specifically designed. This company was was um, uh, started as a uh, uh, voice assistant for high end smart home systems. So at the beginning, mm-hmm. you had to have like a Control Four system or Savant system, or you know what I mean. But now they are their own platform. They have their own app, which is great. So basically, I can control my whole house through the Josh app. And you will see all my control port stuff, by the way. So it's everything that is integrated mm. into my home. I can see it in the Josh app. It's a great app. Uh, uh, you can, you know, talk to the app if you want to, but at that point, I don't see yeah. how useful that is. But, uh, uh, it's a great system. It's definitely a great system. Yeah. I, I've liked all the stuff I saw from it. It is. It's, I mean, it, it it's just a way more refined system than like, an A lady or yeah. you know the Siri yeah. or anything. It just gives you more ability to do things. And like I said, it knows what room you're in, and it's like you know it knows. And like if you're in a room, you can tell another room to what to do. And it's more. It's I think it's more intuitive too, right? It is. Than, it is. The and other the other ones. thing is that unlike unlike the Amazon system, is that Josh, you can speak to it in more natural language. Yes. So basically, you don't talk to it in commands, right? You don't say kitchen lights on, right? You can actually tell it to do a couple of things. Like I can say, "Hey, Josh, can you please turn off the kitchen lights? Can you raise the shades in the kitchen? And can you lower the shades in the living room?" I can say that, and it will do it. But it just did it. So, <laughs> look, it's it's, it's right. raising my kitchen shades. Oh my god! All right, I didn't realize it was going to hear it. <laughs> so, yeah. but. You know, yeah, and that's what I mean. It's that much more into it. You don't have to be like, you know, spelled out the command. It's more refined than that. It's more thing, intuitive to you. The other thing is that the system, you can teach it to uh, learn certain things that, um, uh, like, you don't have to learn the specific name or something or a room. Like, for instance, let me give you an example. Let's say, for instance, they have a, a, a system. I have a room set up for you and it's called Den. Den, right? That's called Den. All right. Yeah. Well, you call it office because that's where your desk is. Josh will know right. that when you say office, you're referring to the Den and it will execute the commands accordingly because I, it will, it, I can either yeah. tell it or, you know, it will just like, no, like when you, you don't have to say the names to, to, you know, perfectly well you can just give it an idea of what it is that you are talking about and it will and if it has a problem learning then we can tell it we can teach it i can tell it like hey the den means the office so it will that way you don't have to be thinking about all the time the den no you can just call it say hey this is my office i'm always going to call it the office right so and little things like that like you know the kids room you can say oh the kids room or you can say Egypt's room or the name of the person or, or you know and 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 you will understand all these commands uh it will right. yeah. it retains what you yeah. what you were yeah. referring it's, to it's, last yes, time exactly so, yeah. and and you know like if you say nana's room like so for instance you say nana's room so the database you know has a database says, oh nana's room maybe they talking about the grandmother's room, right? It will, there is a grandmother room. Mm. It will check, is there a grandmother room in the house, in the system? And it, and it finds it, it will assume that you meant the grandmother's room. And it will, now, from now on, it will tag that room and it will execute commands based on you. It's an additional yeah. name. Like Exactly. Each room doesn't just get one name. It exactly. can be like, oh, this is what, and so like, 
you could go in behind the scenes and be like, okay, so the den is called den office. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Shit show. <Anyway. laughs> Whatever you want to call it. Yes. And, um, the other thing is that you don't have to program the beauty about the system for, from my, you know, from my point of view as an integrator, you don't have to teach it everything. The Amazon system, you have to teach it everything. If you wanted to turn off the lights, you have to program turn off the lights. If you have, you wanted to do this, everything has to be manually programmed. Where this system, all I do is it just, it goes, it reads. It learns you. Yeah. So, you know, when you add it to a control force system, it will read, it will, you add it to the system, it will automatically read the rooms, the lights. It will just map out your entire house. And then after that, all I have to do is tell it what to do in what room and it will do it. And if I'm in the room, what I want it to do, it will just do it in that room. The stuff that I did not manually program in control force. The trust system just knows that it just goes into my, my, the architecture of my system. It will read it. It will, it will, it will bring it into the Josh uh, AI app and it will execute commands based on the way that I designed my system. And if I make changes in control four, they will reflect back into Josh. So it's, it's, it's definitely, definitely a great system. And it could be a standalone system too. It doesn't have to be integrated with control yeah. for like, like in the example, like in your case, for instance, let's say that you do Lutron, you do Sonos and uh, you do Philips Hue uh, and you just want to control it through voice. We can just add a Josh AI system. It will learn all this system and you'll be able to control it through voice as well as the apps. As, but as a system, right? you can also just do a, a voice only and you, and you also have yeah. the app in your phone and they introduce a remote in, uh, during Cydia, but I don't think it's available yet. So it's, it's made by Ava, I believe. So it's basically, it's going to mm. be Ava, the new Ava uh, remote is going to be compatible with Josh AI. So you can have the Josh AI app. So you can no. have control of your home theater, uh, not only from your physical remote, but also you have the voice and you can control everything right. from there, the, uh, the lights or whatever you have integrated. Uh, in the house, uh, it could be controlled from, from the Ava app. You know, I'm waiting for those. I have a bunch of them in order. Uh, I'm waiting for delivery. They have been delayed. And the latest is that they're not coming till Q1 this year. They were supposed to be out in September or something like that. Because I'm, you know, I'm mm. curious to see what it is that, you know, the, uh, that Ava remote, uh, offers and what it is and, and, in which, in which, you know, cases in which installations it makes more sense, right? Right. But yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a great system. Oh, so much fun. Stuff. I know. There's it's a like lot. I, I was talking to talking to listeners through emails and stuff recently, and people like, oh, so what's next? What am I going to do next? And it's like when you build and stuff. There's it, it, like like we said earlier. This is it, we're always doing something. Like you know, we started out with 480 and it's like, but now this whole idea and it's like, you, we're never stagnant, right? You never get to a point in your room, in your theater and go, all right, well, this is it. I'm done. I can just, no, because even just when you're sitting there, I'll be like, all right, maybe someday I can do that. I would never want a hundred percent just only voice control. I don't like that. It's a nice addition. So yeah, like if I'm elsewhere I think so in the too. house, I think so to too. be able to say, Hey, turn on the theater and then it would do mm-hmm. it. And then I, cause right now I have go on my phone and I turn on my theater from anywhere in my house, anywhere, actually anywhere. 
and I can have it ready and running by the time I get down there. Yeah. So, but that would be nice, especially in, in the new place to be just be like, Hey, such and such turn on the theater. And then when you go down there, it's on. Yeah. And I think that voice control. Yeah. Voice control (laughs) is definitely very nice to just have in certain special like locations. Like I have one in the kitchen. I have one in my media room and you know, I don't have it everywhere in the house. Obviously I, 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 order it because I'm, I'm a dealer. So I, you know, I'm always testing this stuff, but my, my advice to you, uh, DJ right now is that if you are thinking about something like this, run a wire to that location because oh yeah, even though Josh AI, it's Wi-Fi compatible, you want it to be hardwired. No, you want it to be hardwired, right? Yeah. So, I'm, I'm- Run a path six. I'm gonna have Ethernet going yes. everywhere. Yes, that's that's a miracle. I call that a miracle. And it's wire. a ranch. Oh, yeah. great! Oh, okay. I, so you have an ranch. attic. Okay. So I'll be able. I'll have an attic space to get to wherever, and I can come in from underneath from everywhere Perfect. I want to. Perfect. So even if I didn't, you know, I'll run a. I'm running Ethernet to every room, but. Uh, I also have the ability in the future to be like, oh, like, so in our living room, our couches will be right here. Well, maybe I should pop one up under yeah. the couch yeah. so I can run an ether wire to connect, you know, so I can have my phones connected or, or, you know, a power source, whatever you need to do, wherever you, you know, that's, that's what I love about this, this ranch is that you, you have more, it's easier access all over the place. Yes. So. So in room, but, like at the entrance of a room, like the entrance of the kitchen, the entrance of the living room, like run, like I would, I would run a wire where the main light is like, like for instance, you enter the kitchen, that's the main light switch. I'm sorry. Location where you think mm-hmm. you have something that covers the entire room, run a wire there. You can leave it behind the wall, but you know, it's there. Uh, just, just because you never know when, you know, you'll be like, oh, let's do a Josh system. And like I said, Josh has two. The, so the Josh devices, there's two types of devices. This is the little puck that you can put in the tabletop. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Wi-Fi. So you can have that one on Wi-Fi. Or they have that built in, in the wall, little tiny, like it looks like a, like a coin. Uh, it doesn't have any speakers mm-hmm. on it. Or this has to be integrated into your distribution system. So you put that one on top of the switch. Let's say you, where your main light switch is, you put it on top of it. If you have a Lutron system, they have a plate so you can put it next to your switches and it just looks yep. built, built in. Uh, and then the way it works is that that's just a microphone. It has a switch for the microphone. You can turn it off. Josh is very proud, uh, to tell you that they care about your privacy. So all the devices have a physical mute button so you can turn off the switch, uh, uh, of the microphone. When you talk to it, when you issue a command through the uh, micro, uh, uh, then the response comes through the, uh, through the speakers in the room. So you, oh, okay. so yeah, so it will come through this. If you have a Sonos system, it has an amazing integration with that and the response will come out through the speakers in the room. If you had the park, the little park, then, then that one has a built-in speakers right. and the response comes through that one. So, you know, those are the two options. You can have yeah. it come through the distributed system in the house or you can have it come through the uh, portable speaker, uh, when it comes to the response, but it's, it's kind of cool. It's a great system. I really like it. Cool. Cool. All right. That was, uh, quite, uh, the show. That was the show. Way I think we over. 
I nice think so. job, Eddie. <laughs> Thank you for inviting <laughs> me. I guess, I guess you and I could be here all day long, right? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Everybody, I was like, that's why. Uh, how the heck do you think I ended up doing a twenty-five hour podcast? Right. <laughs> There's always something interesting to, to say. Yeah, I know. But thank you for that's, having me, DJ. Yeah, and that's it. It's the hardest part is stopping. I've always right. said that I with agree. everybody. I'm like, the hardest part is stopping because I'm like, I always have more questions. I always have, I mean, whatever it is. So we'll definitely do this again. Yes, I can't absolutely. Wait. Can't Keep wait, me posted with your thank house. You so and, and if there's anything I can do, just just let me know. I'm happy to help. That's why you're here for if you want, uh, if you want to get in touch with Eddie, just email me. That's kind of the way we've been working right. it, so that I don't want you to get flooded and inundated. So, um, but yeah, work through me. Uh, I can get you Eddie's information. I'll pass it on to him. Um, but yeah, it's and that's what I really appreciate is, like I said earlier, your honesty and stuff. And this this is going. I mean, we have listeners all over the world, and you're helping out people that you'll probably never get in touch with. And, and I mean, this is valuable information, and it's your it's your business too. But yes. it's super valuable. And you know, if there's anybody out there who has any questions, definitely reach out to to DJ. You know, you asking me how I got involved into this. One of my pitches, one of the main pitches that I did, control for because by the, back in the day, it was really difficult to become a control for dealer, right? Mm. One of my pitch, my pitch was, and I really meant it. It's like we are about to enter a world where home automation is going to be the norm, and people need to mm. be educated. People is going to have a ton of questions. It's going to be confusing and people need to be educated, yeah. not only of how these systems work, but only what's available out there. Because believe me, I don't know a hundred percent of what's available out there. So much less my clients. Right. And, uh, right. I, yeah. And asking questions. And then when I realized, uh, how much these systems can actually cost, it's really important to ask questions and doesn't matter what your budget yeah. is. Doesn't matter if it's small, if it's medium, if it's large, it doesn't matter what the budget is questions. You have to ask questions and, yep. and you know, you got to find somebody who is going to, you know, answer those questions, questions correctly. It's going to give you options, choices, and, you know, and you need to make sure that you set your expectations um, correctly, right? That's, exactly. that's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Very that's important. the most important thing. Literally is the most important thing is setting those expectations. It's I do it in my business with cars and it's like I go to people's houses and I'll paint the bumper. I'll fix their car for them in the driveway and I explain to them exactly how it's going to look. And they're exactly. like, and if... I've had people say, I need this to look perfect. I'm not your guy. Send yeah. it to go to the body shop and do this. And, but what I will say is, um, much like you said, I know ne I've never had a customer after I was done with them turn around and go, you told me it was going to be perfect. I'm exactly. like, they're, they're, I, I'm very, I'm very difficult on myself. I'm very hard on my quality. Right. So I'm like, okay, this is what it's going to look like. You might see this. If you look really close, you're going to see a difference, set those expectations. And then at the end they go, I don't even see what you were talking about. Then I'll show them. I can see, th I see flaws that most people don't see exactly. because that's what I do. Yeah. yeah. Same with you. Yeah. People's expectations. Right. Of, if people think that they're going to get a home automate, you know, a smart home and it's just going to be like the Jetsons and perfect. Correct. They might, their expectations might be too high because like, as we said earlier, technology is technology. Yeah. So setting expectations, setting 
the idea is so important. Right. And it really is. It's a two way street. You can do the best you can do, Eddie. But if they're not asking the questions and they're not and they're just like, hey, I know if I just pay all the money, this is going to be awesome. Right. Uh, right. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how that's many true? <laughs> you know how many times I have walked into a system like somebody else's system, like somebody would call me and say, hey, you know, I have a system installed. It's not working great. Somebody give me your name. Can you come check it out? I walked into the home and they're like, so I was told that I could do this, I could do that, and it's not working. And I was like, yeah, because it just cannot be done, right? Like, it's another, <laughs> yeah, because it's not a feature. It's not yeah. a thing. It's just not possible. And, and this is another thing when, when, you know, you really, it's, 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 we, look, we are contractors and there's a lot of bad contractors out there. And you mm-hmm. have to ask, questions and try to talk to more than one. And, and, and when it comes to these kind of things, I always tell my fellow stop contractors in the homes I work on that I always tell them, you guys are leaving. You guys are going to finish your job and you leave and the electrician will finish and leave. Everybody's going to leave. I'm staying here. I'm still installing the systems. Chances are I'm going to be here for years servicing the system. So I need you guys to work with me right. a little bit, right? Let's not rush it. Let's do it the right way because, you know, I know what's going to happen after you guys leave, if you leave this like this, right? And this is the conversation right. that I get into with, with, with some contractors because it's like, I know you don't care, but we're both here for the same purpose, right? We, we are here because we are building this home and it has to be, it has to be done well. And if you, if the electrician is putting the, the switches in the wrong place, it's like, it's, it's a question that's going to come to me eventually say, Hey, why is this switch here? Right. You know what I mean? So ask questions, oh, yeah. ask questions, um, you know, get obviously meet different, different integrators because, um, uh, you know, it, it's an investment, whatever money it is that you're spending, it needs to be well spent. Honestly, that's, that's the bottom line. And, yeah. but yeah, if you have any questions, don't, don't, don't hesitate to reach out to me through, uh, through DJ. DJ's been, uh, kind enough to forward, forward all these emails from, from, uh, yeah, his no listeners. Problem. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's always fun to be here. Yeah. Thanks, Eddie. We'll talk again soon. I'll see you Tuesday, I guess. Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow. We'll, <laughs> That's yeah, right. we'll see you tomorrow afternoon. I'll be there. So. All right. Yeah. All right. And as people listen to us later this afternoon, because this comes, this will be out in the morning. So. Oh, it is. Yeah, okay. We'll great. see you there. Well, I'll see you tonight. Yeah, yeah. This will be out tomorrow morning. So there you go. All right. So, Back to you later. All right. Thank you okay. very much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'll see you a little later. Now, uh, go push play. This has been a Hey Fred production with theme music by Jeff Bernhardt and Throne Vault Productions.